Hi, this is Lou Alu, and before we get underway with another episode of This Old Dungeon, there were a couple things that I realized after recording this episode I needed to add in or had forgotten to put forward on it. One of those things I wanted to say right up front is that this episode's a little different than our usual format. Um, in this episode, we're going to be reviewing our top five adventures across all systems. Uh, we'll get back to looking at individual adventures and rule sets and doing our critique of those in, our, uh, in future episodes. Uh, this episode was inspired by a letter that we had mailed to us by the Lone DM. So Lone DM, we want to thank you for providing us with some content to cover here. And, uh, you know, we hope that uh, you'll write in again soon. As well as all the listeners, we hope that all of you out there uh, know that we just love to get mail from you. You can mail us at uh, thisolddungeon at gmail.com. And uh, you can mail things like suggestions for the show, um, things you would like reviewed, what uh, you think your top five are. I mean, anything at all, we'd love to get it. You can even send us uh, MP3 files or WAV files or any sound files, really. Uh, and we can put those right on air and we can have you invoice uh, on our program. We'd love to have that. Um, one other quick point of uh, business. I wanted to give a shout out to some friends of mine, Eddie and Matt, that do a fantastic podcast called the No Class RPG Podcast. Uh, it's a fine program. The two of them uh, just kind of banter back and forth about various topics. There's a good variety of uh, different segments of geekdom covered there, as well as RPGs. Interesting premises, premises, however you say that, uh, thrown out each week that they do it. Um, so please give that a listen. And with that being said, we'll return you to the not-so-regular programming here. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Hi, this is Bob, 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 Vila. And now. It's time for the show, This Old Dungeon, the show where grognards go to get their grog on. Lieutenant Dubas, we're going to get a lot of stuff done, or he kicks my ass, we're going to be awesome. Featuring your hosts. I'm Briggy, I'm Thomas's wife, and I'm the noob. Somebody here call a carpenter? Uh, this is Thomas, husband to Briggy. And uh, let's see, I work for a library, I write, I draw, I paint, I do all of this, but none of it very well. The truth is, I can always find games, though. This is Lou Alvin. I could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher, but definitely a veteran role player of 35 plus years. We work on it the rest of the night, we get it together. We can do this, right? There's no way in hell we can do it. Welcome, folks, to this whole dungeon. I'm Lou Alu, and with me are... This is Thomas. This is Briggy. All right. How's uh, life been treating you guys? What have you been doing in gaming lately? That's an interesting question, because uh, <laughs> last weekend was not Gen Con. Um, nope. <laughs> What was but it, there Thomas? was online Gen Con. Well, we do what we call non-con. Yeah, it was a non-con. Uh, yeah, which we were not going to do this year. And I've mentioned it before, but non-con is a little thing we do when either we've got, you know, uh, either school or work, 
you know, inhibits your chance to go to net, uh, go to the regular Gen Con. And usually we'll get together on that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, play games, but then we will go on Sunday and go experience the, the spectacle. Uh, last year we did a non-con because we did a big family trip to Disney, so all our money was tied up in that, uh, you know. But uh, this year it was a non-con because of uh, the whole thing that's going on. It was kind of a weird non-con this year. Uh, we didn't play as many games as we normally do. Uh, it seems like everyone else in the house was not into it like we were. So Briggy and I finally just sat down and we just started playing games on our own. And we had a lot of fun doing just that. I tell you, just to just to help paint the picture, because uh, you know you guys have been generous enough to invite me to. I think the majority of the non-cons you've had, folks, you got to just really imagine like, you know, I don't know. Normally, it seems to me there's at least at least six individuals there that you know have gamed together off and on throughout several years and uh you know it's like a big pitch in lunch and dinner so you've got you know everybody trying to outdo each other with the the drinks they bring and the food they bring and uh you play everything i mean board games all different role playing games it's uh you know from from early in the day to late in the evening game after game after game with just a small break for food in between uh, and it's it's really fun. I mean, Thomas and I and, uh, and Briggy, we all live uh, in the backyard of Gen Con. Uh, so, you know, we have opportunity to go there every year. And, and, and I had for many years, and you guys continue to go. Uh, but it's gotten kind of big and, and less about the gaming and more about the spectacle, which is still cool. But, uh, you know, I've just really been glad to be part of your guys' non-con is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we would have had you this year, too. Yeah, I understand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the year, the last year that you came, which I think was last year, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had quite a bit of people, right? I mean, it was... I had some people from my work that were gamers I invited as well. Yeah, and... Uh, which and I work at the library. Fun. You throw a... You, you, I work at the library. You throw a rock, you hit a nerd. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Pretty much. Um yeah, I mean it was a lot of fun. Even the uh, I skipped, we skipped a year, and then the year before that, you came and we had lots of kids playing that year, and that mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. Yeah, it gave um, me a great chance to uh, test out uh, the Dare Luck Club with actual kids playing kids. <laughs> oh my gosh, and that was uh, the carnival one was yeah. really good. That was, that was a good one. The carnival game, I just loved it. It gave me the like the Goonies vibe. <laughs> so it was. Um, a lot of fun, and then um, having the non-con, I'm gonna admit, like has given me kind of the um, confidence to run something. So I run in the Inspectories game, and I have been having a blast. And I did it actually this time, this year, and uh, we did have a table full of people. So it was, I mean, Friday night was kind of dry. But Saturday night, I we pulled off the inspector's game, and it was I had a blast, and I really, um, I think I put a lot of more thought into it than some of the others. <laughs> I don't know. We've always had fun with that one, though, especially with all the confessionals and all that. It's always been a blast. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the inspector games is a lot of fun. But to your credit, I think it was a year before or years. So it might have been a non-con. You ran 5e Lord of the Rings, which is Adventures of Middle-Earth. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, and that was a lot of fun. We did, it was Al and our friend Beeve and myself. Yeah. And, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think you did a really good job of that. It's just finding people that want to do 
and it wasn't a Lord module. Of the Rings because yeah. yeah, it wasn't a module. But it wasn't a module. I'm. It was something. It's a little, uh, little uh, small adventure you do in the actual Lord of the Rings online game, and I made it into a five E. Yeah, I adapted it Very into. Cool. Uh, oh yeah, that was. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. You know, hopefully uh, later in fall, depending on how everyone's feeling and how you know this this pandemic rolls about. Uh, I've been really wanting to get back to doing the cabin con, and uh, you know we get into fall where the weather's oh. a little nicer. Uh, that might be a good that chance be... to do that. Still be able to you know not be right on top of each other distance wise and enjoy some games. But we'll talk about that yeah. off the air, I guess. Um, we'll have to talk about the, what cabin con was uh, um, later too. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get into that in another episode. Anyhow, so that's gaming. I myself, I did do the Gen Con online because uh, you know it was kind of last minute addition to that. I uh, I was just kind of fooling around, decided to look at what was going on on the Gen Con website, and saw that it was absolutely free to do Gen Con online. Other than, I mean, you still have to buy tickets, but they were even ridiculously cheap for Gen Con. It was like two bucks for one game, four for another. So uh, I played Tomb of Horrors and tried very hard to not use any of my insider knowledge on that, having run that game several times. Uh, but luckily, it's been so long that most of the stuff I had forgotten. <laughs> but we actually we made it to the, the final tomb legitimately uh, and got killed promptly. Um, so that was pretty cool. I've never never had a group get there, and I've never been there in any game of it I've ever played before. So uh, that was fun. And then the... the uh, the Midnight Zombie game, which uh, this is apparently, I think, the 15th year that they've ran that. Uh, they did it online. Wow. It was still pretty fun, uh, you know, using Zoom and everything. Um, but that's, uh, oh, what's the gal's name? Lori, oh, my goodness, Lori uh, Pechia, I think is her name. She runs that. If you ever get a chance, folks, to play in that game, uh, it's very adult, first off, so you need to know that. It's not for children. <laughs> uh, you Very much ends up like, whose line is it exactly. anyway? But without the censoring of any of the lines. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it, it tends to be hilarious. Uh, you know, uh, I've only, I think there's one year I went where it was pretty fun, but a lot of people that signed up didn't know what they're signing up for. And so there, that, there's that uh, transition uh, uh, uh. time of what? We're not, we're not making roles for this. What? We're not, you know, this isn't serious. Oh boy. Uh, but, uh, it was oh, really and fun. You and, yeah, and you and Ed used to talk it up to me, and then I finally went, and then we went, oh, God, what, three or four years right in a row, yeah. and then she took some time off, I think, because she was having a baby and yeah. stuff, so, you know, yeah. that makes sense, but when the kid's grown up a bit, she started doing it again, and when you get into that big room, she's brilliant the way she does this, because she gets her ticket comped in one four-hour slot, because yeah. it's a room of, like, 30 people. And how the t- ticket comping works, you know, it's how X number of hours for players that you do. She doesn't want four-hour slot because she's got 30 players, 30 times four. She, she's, I think she's got enough to do, like, her and then some. And you'll see the same people come every, every year. It's year. almost like a little It's almost like a little reunion in that room. It's so cool. And that was the kind of cool thing for me. I mean, I've sat out now oh, almost 10 years at least. But yet I recognize people in it, and they recognize me. And you know, hanging out afterwards, a few of us stayed on the Zoom call after the game had ended, and we were talking with Lori, and she was saying how uh, you know typically people bring drinks to this event, and so they try to have it out of the convention center. They try to have it at one of the hotels where alcohol is allowed, but you know obviously as part of the Gen Con event, it's not necessarily encouraged. <laughs> uh, and uh, she talked about how there's she has no fear whatsoever 
of uh, Gen Con finding out that she has alcohol at her event because in in one fell swoop, like you're saying, she's pulling in you know almost a grand uh, for each event. That she oh yeah. Has. Oh yeah. They're never gonna they're never gonna do anything with that. Mikey Mason does that too because he'll have it at a hotel. He's doing his show. It's it, it, it has adult elements to the show, you know, because he is a stand-up comedian. But he'll bring a, a growler of beer with him uh, up on stage. Yeah. You know? yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one time he would be like, look, let's just pass this around. Everybody have a swig. Seriously. I mean, that's <laughs> well, just kind of how Mikey pre, is. Pre-corona, pre-corona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember, what was it? We went and saw one of his shows a couple of years ago. And there was a guy who said, hey, can I have a drink? He's like, well, do you have a mug? And I think he had one of those mugs clipped to his belt and he was wearing a kilt. And Mikey gave him a drink right there. <laughs> well, I guess that brings us to our first segment. It does. Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest. Grail quest. All right, guys, it is Grail quest time. What are we looking for in gaming today? Um, I have an actual physical item I've managed to procure on fa- on uh, eBay. <laughs> Woohoo! What is this? It is the GURPS Cyberpunk book. Ooh. And it goes for a lot of money, and I got it for about 25 bucks. And it's coming in the mail. And if anyone knows the lore of Steve Jackson games and GURPS, the <laughs> cyberpunk book, Wikipedia that thing, because there's a story behind that. There's a lot of articles out there. Basically, Steve Jackson games was uh, collecting all this material to come up with a cyberpunk, you know, Blade Runner, future dystopian type uh, setting. And he was putting together, they were putting together a book for that, you know, just like they do all of their other copious encyclopedic books. Now set the stage, what, what year is this? Because this is like... Uh... It's in the 90s. Okay, okay. I was thinking it was like 87, 88, but okay, 90s. It okay. might be, but I think it was in the 90s because the, the internet and the World Wide Web was starting to be a thing. That's the, yeah, there's the setting right there, yeah, okay. Yeah, and the Secret Service got a hold of some of the info that they were that they were using, that they had gotten a hold of, and they had traced it, and they raided the Steve Jackson Games uh, offices in Austin, Texas. They seized computers. They seized people's homes computers. All this other stuff. And pretty much, uh, you know, because they thought it was like cyber terrorism or mm-hmm. whatever. And he, so, Steve Jackson, they... Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, if I remember correctly, there is one other piece to this that uh, one of the guys that had provided some information or, or um, what's the way to put it? He was kind of the guy that was called in to like legitimize, hey, you know, is this really how this would work, or you know, what do you think about this projection yeah, technology? They, if anything, they are so into the realism and and they do their research. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, they're like encyclopedias. They're source books. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, uh, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he had actually been uh, like convicted of a of some sort of. Uh, he was a little actually hacking. sketched. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been like getting someone who was a part of the Gambino crime family to come in and look at your little RPG <laughs> book from the mafia. Yeah. So I think, as I recall, that was of... part of the the springboard into why the FBI raided their their studios it was, there. Yeah. So they ended up there ended up being a big lawsuit and all this stuff. And they won a lot of parts of it. There's one part that they didn't. Uh, but for the most part, and I think the 
the judge reprimanded the Secret Service. <laughs> it was like in the uh, Texas federal courts or whatever that saying that it was basically a sloppy investigation or a sloppy a warrant search and all kinds of things. Uh, but then they they got all their material back and they did publish the book. And I've always wanted to get a copy of it, and now I'm getting a copy of it. <laughs> yeah, if you look at uh, Grimtooth, uh, Grimtooth's Trap, I believe it's number four. Uh, they actually have a thing in the beginning of it that's like a play on that where they talk about, oh, you know, this vol volume is so late in being distributed because uh, it was seized by the FBI. They they thought they might be able to glean something from the traps listed here and all this. So they kind of play into that whole thing in there. Yeah. So anyway, that's 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 kind of a thing. It's like I managed to uh, to get a copy. I was bidding on one. It went too high. I'm like, I'm not paying that for this. I don't care what it is. And then I was just like, oh, well, then I started searching, and someone was selling one for way less. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just buy this outright. <laughs> so, Brig, what have you uh, what have you been looking for in your gaming? Participants, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was completely bummed because, there, see, Thursday – well, okay. So it all boils down to there wasn't a schedule. That's what I'm going to blame it on. But on Thursday night we did Birds of Prey, and then – what, I think we, we did a lost... movie night for the, for Gen Con. Right. We did. Uh, we watched the uh, the new Birds of Prey and the uh, fabulous and fabulous whatever the heck it's called, the the Margot Robbie Birds of Prey Harley Quinn movie, and we all loved it. It was a lot of fun. Right. Sorry. I, please continue. Okay. And uh, but I think we lost them to the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> what it was. For Friday night, um, we were supposed to convene back, and then everybody just watched that. So we played Dominion and and different, you know, different games, and we had a lot of fun. I love Dominion though. That's a Rio Grande, yeah. Grande yep, game Rio or Rio Grande game. And anyway, it was it was yeah, a we, blast. Just a yeah, we, we always have fun together. Let's see, we played that. We played Bushido by Gray Fox Games. Oh, I've not played uh, that, but always wanted to. Oh, it. Okay, here's something about Bushido. I don't mean to drag on it or anything. It's a really fun game, but the uh, rule book and the rule book mostly is written really well. Uh, lots of misspellings. It was a Kickstarter, so mm. just take that as you will. But um, there were a couple of there's a couple of rules in that book that if they had just written a sentence differently it would have explained everything hmm. now, do you otherwise know, i they, had some research to online to like what do they mean you know <laughs> is that a, a a remake of an older one because as i remember uh there was a bushido that was created like back there's like late there's 80s a lot early 90s games. that's like there's a yeah. There's a lot of games with the name Bushido involved. Okay. This is a this is a two player uh, kind of card and dice game where you play two samurai that are squaring off against each other. Okay, I think this is different. And it can than... go very quick, or it can be an extended game. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of is like an all red box with some like white lettering and black, uh, you know, like Japanese painting of a of a samurai, I believe, and it's a board game as I recall, like tactical board uh, game. This has got a little board game element to it, but uh, you just, like I said, you play two samurai who are uh, squaring off against each other, and it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, we played some other games. Um, Dungeon Roll, we played that a bit. I played that with my son, Al. He really enjoys that game. Yes. That's, 
we got into a best of three with that is what <laughs> we had to end up playing. Um, and we played some Carcassonne. Which is like a tan, mm-hmm. but I like Carcassonne. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Connect your rivers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes. pretty much. Yes. But my inspector game was very funny and a lot. I, I loved it. We we did the, uh, I don't know, the mystery of Doll Island. That's what I called it. Hmm. Doll, like D-O-L-L, right? Yes. See, I watch these ghost hunter shows. So, and you know, Inspectories is basically based upon your you've lost your players have lost their jobs, and they are now going to work on this reality ghost hunting show. And then from there, you create your characters, you develop what job you had lost, you tell everybody what job you lost, you know, and then you get the company together, and then a customer will call, and you'll have your first job, and usually that will last the whole gameplay to the end of that. So, so the uh, doll island, I'm 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 envisioning little killer dolls. No, thing. it was no way it, creepier. Way creepier. It was yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I didn't know there's a level beyond that. <laughs> there is. So well, the I, way she presented it was. <laughs> yeah. So I based it off of a um, episode of the Ghost Adventures crew, where there is a place in Mexico or it's off of South America. I'm not gonna go and look it up and like do all the mm-hmm. be precise, but basically there's dolls hanging everywhere. There's dolls everywhere. It's just from they're hanging stuff, from the yeah. trees. Oh, wow. There's like a little shrine in the middle of the island where there's a lit candle always mysteriously. Like kind of sounding stuff. Yeah, there's dolls just well oh, yeah. the, the story behind it was is that there was a girl that died in the canal near there. She drowned. And the guy that owned the island was haunted by her, so he just kept bringing her dolls as offerings. Hmm. So. I like it. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, So I had made up this scheme that Mr. Howell owned this island. (laughs) 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 Yep. Off the coast of Honolulu. (laughs) So I was going with that. Of course, the kids have no idea. But when I say it's Mr. Howe, Thomas about falls out of his chair. You know, <laughs> did and you, then I did made you like, do the old uh, Harvard Lockjaw? Uh, I tried my best. It's very difficult. I'm not that uh, you're way, way better with uh, people. Seriously, this guy here, he does. He can do any kind of like uh Accent anywhere. It's oh, crazy. You're overselling, but yeah. <laughs> no, you're really good. Um, and then I kind of had wished Thomas had brought out Fernando, but he did not. <laughs> I really love oh, that. I've met Fernando before. One of my favorites. I don't know that that was his name at that time, but yeah. <laughs> no, no. Fernando has always been Fernando. Why? Because everybody loves Fernando, but no one loves Fernando in quite the way that Fernando knows how to love Fernando. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so, but brought out like you were a techie guy, which is good because we kind of needed. We were s- surrounded by. I tried to not... keep everyone kind of going in one direction. Like, it was. It is difficult yeah. with that crew there. I mean, um, well, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
but Timmy being like that sunflower child guy, spiritual guy, I loved it. That Timmy was just so good with that. Al, um, Al was playing a nun that had been like defrocked, and like Al's not Catholic, and knows nothing about nuns. So that just made it even more fun. It was. Uh, <laughs> and we, um, and so she was the because she she played a woman and a demonist. So that was hysterical, um, like exorcist type person. You know, did, that's uh, what her, Julia her... play. Yeah, I uh, no. Oh no. man, she's she always has my favorite character. Every time we play that particular game, uh, she always brings something to the table that just makes me die. She's so funny with her characters. Well, and especially if she starts doing that Jersey lawyer accent oh, yeah. of hers. <laughs> Jersey lawyer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but you know, we had a good time. Basically I was, you know, I wanted the part of inspectories that I think kind of gets lost in our particular group is the part where you roll for the money and the cards and the thing. Like I've been in an inspector game where we've gone through the motions of that. So I liked it that Mr. Howell was spare, no expensive, all the expenses, although they did roll for the equipment because that's a lot of fun. So I put the equipment sheet out there, and they roll for it. Like the uh, flashlights were like from the 80s or whatever. They had the big D batteries, and they didn't work very well. And it was like it was fun though. That's my little niche. I like doing that. I do like uh, doing the Lord of the Rings, but I just don't think that the crew um, is into it. You have to have buy-in for the setting a little bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So anyway, but um, yeah, I had a good time doing that. I. Hope that we continue our Ravenloft. Is that what we're doing? No. The Strahd yep, game? Yes. yes. Okay. Same one in the same. Yeah. Yes. Curse uh, of Strahd. Yeah, we're doing the 5 conversion I hope we continue that, and I'm very excited to hear about everybody's uh, top five modules, even though I just have one. <laughs> I am the newbie. I should get I should get a little, uh, what do I want to say, a little uh, pass because I'm the newbie. But I have one, so. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, oh, and by the way, I uh, you you will like this because um, I did go on to uh, the Crystal Cast website and I did order Gen Con 2020 dice for everyone. <laughs> you can do that. You can go onto their website. They're, they said that we wish we could give them away like we did with Gen Con. We can't do that, but we are charging two bucks a die. So I was like, oh yeah, that's no big deal. I'll support yeah. that. So I bought everyone. So every I will not have a gap in my <laughs> 15 year run of Gen Con die. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. For my uh, for my grill quest, uh, I'm seeking a game where I can play a particular character. So uh, I, I was uh, for the Dare Luck Club Quick Start Rules Adventure. Um, I'm doing this thing with the adventures. I call them Triple Dog Dares, where for the system, every adventure I make, I'm doing one map and I'm writing three different adventures that can take place with that one map, because the maps are the time-consuming part, right? So, on this map, it's a and haunted house. people love their maps. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, on this one, it's a haunted house, and uh, the second adventure nice. I'm writing for it is uh, basically, I mean, it's, it's you know, real real textbook 80s kind of thing. Basically, this the Derelict Club doesn't want to deal with this pest kid, so they tell him, hey, okay, fine, you can be part of our club, if you can spend the night in that house. Well, next day at the pool, the kid doesn't show up like he normally does. This is in the middle of the summer. 
And then the kids start feeling guilty, uh, especially when his mom shows up at the pool and starts asking the other moms if they've seen his kid and starts putting up missing flyers and stuff. So, long story short... That's nice and creepy sounding, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but long story short, uh, you know, some of these no-good 80s teenagers uh, are uh, making drugs in the haunted house, and the kid ran into them, and they kind of tied him up and are trying to figure out what they want to do with him. So I got to do some research, right? I'm like, well, in the 80s, what sort of drugs could, like, a high schooler that was really good at chemistry really make, you know? So I'm doing this research, and I come across this thing... And I guess I've already known this, but it just really dawned on me where uh, the U uh, particularly I'm looking at LSD and uh, the U.S. military for the longest time from the like 50s on up, supposedly they ended the program uh, in the 80s, uh, did all sorts of uh, like drug experimentation on, you know, what, what sort of drugs can we get that would, you know, be like truth serums or could, you know, be psychoactive combat you know, ready kind of psychological things. warfare stuff yeah, too. Yeah, like yeah. the the MK or what is it, the MK Ultra program, things like that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it dawns on me, you know, that means that somewhere out there, there's someone that's been paid by our government, probably a group of people, to take drugs <laughs> on a daily basis and tell them the effects they're having on them. And so I've got this concept for this character that's just like this this totally burnout, you know, been through every drug you can possibly imagine working for the government. And, uh, I, I don't know. I've just, I was playing with him, playing with his, like his voice in my mind. And if everything. this was a movie, if this was a movie, he'd be played by Tommy Chong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I so I've got it. this character. I just need some sort of game to play him in sometime. I don't, you know, some modern, uh, D 20, um, zombie survival, I don't know, something like that. That's my girl quest. Nice. You know, I think we need to get together and do some online gaming, and maybe I can help you with that. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, I'm becoming a pro at online gaming, man. I've, I've done lots of Roll20 now. I've done lots of Zoom. Um, more than double digits in games. And uh, I, I'm, 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 Anytime you're ready, I think I'm ready. We can make it work. Okay, because what I always wanted to do is I just want to try just regular Discord and the people I would play with. I'm not worried about dice bots on the screen or anything because, cause, you know, failing a role is sometimes just as fun as succeeding at a role, especially if you play it outright. It's a lot of fun. So, and I'm not worried about that. I trust everyone to just roll their dice and be honest with it. We can just do it on a Discord or Skype or Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. to, to me, the, the die failure kind of idea, the idea of being honest with dies and, and letting them do what they want and affect the story, it's the difference between like a Schwarzenegger movie and a uh, Bruce Willis movie. You know, Schwarzenegger movies are fun and everything, but man, Bruce Willis movies are good. You know, like the hero gets beat up a little and, you know, moves the plot. Well, it's the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. All right, well, I think it's time to open up our mailbag. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion is letter writer is a total wacko. All right, gang, we got two of them uh, this time around. One of them's kind of just a thank you. This is from... Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I got a question, though. Right. You mean the people who actually listen to this know how to read and write? Yes. <laughs> yeah, all two of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're educated individuals. Nice. No, I have been. I got to say, I've been floored. I mean, uh, I think we got our first mail on our second episode. 
as sporadic from, as from, we from are, strangers. we love the fact that people are listening and writing in. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Keep it up. Love it. Yes, yes, yes. So the first first mail. This is uh, from Jonathan K. We answered an email of his on the last one. So he writes back. I listened to episode three a couple weeks ago. Thanks. For not knowing a lot about gangbusters, I learned a lot from you. It's great to hear you are going to get into it. <laughs> hey, I do have to say, and I, I know you can say as much, uh, I have read, I've now read the complete uh, gangbusters box set uh, from start to finish, and I've also read a module. Hey, I've got, um, I, and I have read through it. Um, I did get, remember on the last episode, I said I did a uh, spur of the moment uh, <laughs> buy. I did get my BX Gangbuster set just this past week. Does Yay. it look nice? Oh, yeah, it's really great. And they use a lot of stock uh, stock photos in it, but they look great. They're real quality. Um, I'm looking at this, and all I can look at this is I want to add an element to it where you can play Pulp Adventures to it because it just seems like it like the a shadow or the phantom pill, stuff like that yeah yeah it just seems it would lean itself really well i don't think it's going to be the type of thing where oh we're going to be the mob and we're going to try and make right with it no i think <laughs> it works best if you maybe try to be the shadow and his agents or elliot ness and the untouchables i think that would be the better angle to get you know, at least for me i like you know mm-hmm. i I just think that's the way that I think it would go. But anyway, please continue. That, that might have to be our online game here because I'm, I'm very interested in playing me some gangbusters at yeah. any version of it. Uh, so anyhow, um, uh, so I found Mark Hunt's Facebook page for the BX version, and he's going to run a play-by-post game. I've joined as an observer, but something came up for him, and things are moving slowly. So there's not much to report from there. Thanks again. I'm looking forward to the next show. By the way, I started listening listening to Sod, uh, Save or Die. That was a, a side conversation he and I had. Oh, yeah. It's a podcast okay. that I recommended. Uh, and have finished the first year. It's been a lot of fun and fills in the time between your shows. Thanks, Jonathan K. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's, it's, you are, wow, I think, yeah. our first male ever. And, uh, thank you. you you've kind of helped us fill in this space right here. Thanks. Yeah, uh, our listener of one. It's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, and the Saver Die podcast is a lot of fun. Do they still do that one? I know they kind of retired one of their podcasts. Uh, so yeah, so Saver Die is still going on. Um, uh, Carl and uh, oh, I can't remember his co-host. Carl and Crispy, and I can't remember Carl's wife's name, but they th- those three continue to put out episodes. They've actually had a lot of really good episodes lately where they interview people uh, from the industry. And then the original cast, most of them have trailed off. And they're uh, they're doing save for half, where they review old rule sets, kind of a little bit like what we do, but they're they're almost strictly rule sets, and talk about whether they're good or not. Okay, yeah. well it sounds like uh, we're very compatible in that way. Um, it's the save the save or die people, and the roll for initiative roll for initiative. That's the one that's kind that's, of retired. Yeah, that one's I think pod faded. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was some cross uh, cross pollination mm-hmm. there, and I played with some of them at Gen Con one year. We sat in on a um, Dead Game Society Star Frontiers game, so those they're good guys. But anyway. Man, you're hitting all my favorite podcasts right there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, I, I do have to. I got to thank Jonathan for getting me into Gangbusters because I mean it was on my radar, but wasn't you know front and center. But uh, like I said, I, I read the adventure Death in Spades by Tracy Hickman of uh, Ravenloft fame and, of course, Dragonlance fame, too. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
So it's it's another module like Ravenloft where he did some randomization in it that, that sets the plot, mm-hmm. and it is now it, it is going to be my magnum opus uh, to run that game as a game master because it is it, it's a it's a cool mm. game, but it's the most complicated module I've ever read in my life. Like there's different it, it's about this like a hitman That's saying something too. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. about this hitman, and based on uh, the cards you draw. It changes who he's trying to kill, why he's trying to kill, who hired him, and, and what the events you know unfold as the players play. And there's like maybe 20 personalities in it that are all like really intricate. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it, it's really it's my worst nightmare. But it's so well written, and the characters are so interesting, and the stories that can happen are so interesting. Someday I'm gonna have to tackle it because it is amazing. Well, it's high praise. Yeah. It is. Oh, should get, we should get in on this one. Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely again. I mean, this is the oh, I think I'll do one last adventure before I give up this role playing thing, <laughs> and that's the one because <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's a lot of legwork. I think to to make it work out to you know make it smooth. That is. So, uh, this next uh, next melon here, uh, we we got a little participation involved. So, uh, this is from Len O. Len O writes. Not Leno, not Jay Leno, but Len space O. Like L Y N N. L E N. L E N. I don't know if it's like Lenny, short for Lenny, maybe. I don't know. It says, Hey, Dungeon Crew. I enjoyed the last episode. West End Star Wars is my jam. Wanted to kick a question out to you. What is the worst gaming experience you have ever had? I recently spent a six-hour session online in a gaming convention that I won't name. It rhymes with Ben Gone, and got <laughs> and only got to roll dice and make choices two times. Nearly Ooh. an hour of the time was technical support for players who did not get ready ahead of time, as the messages from the DM suggested. Oh. A lot of the games suffered from "Look at my cool NPCs, everybody." <laughs> so, what are your horror stories oh. from gaming? Keep it Ooh. up. Look forward to hearing your experiences playing Gangbusters BX. Oh, and for the geek credit. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're kind of roped on that. I think we got to get it done. Uh, oh, and for the geek credit, I think the lowest score after ten episodes should get the classic pie in the face with pictures on your FB page. Oh. All right, worst gaming experience. Wow. Oh, you that know, that could be a whole, that, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Oh yeah. And and I know the Fear the Boot guys. They and they have uh they've talked a little bit about that on their show and they do more more uh like gaming advice and stuff like that. Um which you know, if you're looking for some really good advice about bad gaming and how to avoid it and stuff, by all means go mm-hmm. check out their catalog of shows. But isn't he uh, asking like what are our experience our person, yeah. bad. Oh, we have had some bad <laughs> ones. Oh man, yeah, that alone is still. That's you know. Oof. Yeah, you, you can almost put them in categories, you know, like like well, worse in uh, one way. I mean, okay, I you know, worst players, worst adventure, worst this, worst <laughs> yeah. rolling, whatever. It's like okay, sh- show us on the doll where the game touched. <laughs> Oh jeez. Just about, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, oh yeah. my god. 
Um, and, I have you know, Eliza in particular. You know the one I'm t- thinking about. I'm well, bet. Then, okay. then Briggy, take the floor. Okay, I don't remember where we were. I can't. Re- it was some place in Carmel that is no longer open. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. And it was the Pathfinder Society game. Yeah, it was a comic shop that was a comic slash gaming shop. Yep. And uh, all I have to say, I mean, one of the things I have to say about the situation was, thank goodness I was, like, on edge the entire time because I had purchased this house, and we were kind of going back and forth as to, am I going to get it? Are they going to agree to the terms mm-hmm. kind of thing? So I was – but he was horrible. That game master was horrible. Yeah, uh, he really, really was. Um, I remember there was another guy in the game. He had a miniature. Uh, he was getting ready to play, and he showed up, and he took, I think it was a Red Hot out of his box of Red Hots that he was eating, and he put it on the table, and he <laughs> goes, this will be my miniature. And the guy was, like, horrified. He goes, I think I got a miniature. And the guy looks at him and he goes, no, no, I'll use the Red Hot. <laughs> and, and, that was it. and I was, he seemed a great guy because he i think he he sat down and he realized oh this is going to be a, a show because uh, i know trying to watch her rating uh let's say shoot show but shoot change shoot. the uh change the vowel uh anyway but yeah that was a bad game and my whole idea was to take you and say hey let's go play a game get your mind off of this yeah that didn't work <laughs> it really didn't um so we we had and he had a full table i mean in regards wow. to kind of running i mean thomas would have raked it in honestly uh we had a full table they were all different people they were nice people they were great people we were all like hey how's it going how's it going he was the only awkward one (laughs) um and while we were there uh playing um one of the ladies that we were playing with is was a teacher and the student came in and he made a big whopping deal about that and made them both feel very odd um, oh yeah, didn't you think your teacher had wanted to play games? And it was like, okay, really? If we're gonna make it really awkward, I guess you like just <laughs> dipped yourself in the awkward bucket before you came in. And then Thomas was trying to do something, and he wouldn't let him do it. Like out of the gate, wouldn't let him do it. No, no, no debate, no chance for you know a role or anything. Just nope. No, there yeah, was yeah, a role, no. but it was the dumbest thing ever. I mean, it was just we're going over a stream or something, and he was a dwarf, and he had to make a swimming role. Give me a break. But it wasn't a whole stream. It was, yeah. Anyway, it's like you ever played in a game where the game master makes you roll for every little thing. Like I'm gonna open the door. Okay, roll to see if you can turn the knob. <laughs> I needed to tell you in that. Did you turn left or right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Is it a push or pull door? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you yeah, want to do holes? Was... Let's roll to measure how big the holes will be. Oh, wait a second. That's another game that we can bring up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a horrible yeah, that's another one. In our own house, mind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I'll go with mine, which you kind of touched on in your introduction to this. Um, wait, 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 before you go through yours, because I, I, I might have to oh, say, okay. is this one that, that took place at the comic shop? And is yes. Billy D. Williams involved? <laughs> oh, no, he's not. Okay, but you're okay. welcome for that. Right. Um, is that going to be yours? I was thinking on it. it it's up there. Okay. Ahead. 
Okay, no, this okay, this was one of those. Um, I'm not gonna not gonna name the person because you know them and I don't know what they're up to right now. Anyway, <laughs> I'll tell you when we're done recording. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's at Castle Comics and Cards up in Lafayette, Indiana. We're gonna give them a little shout out. Great little comic shop and game store. Yeah. Um, but and Lou, that's where Louie and I met, and we were there for a, a long, long. Uh, time, but anyway, it was one Real of those quick, games. Just, just to make yeah. sure people know what they're getting into. If you, by chance, come through Lafayette, there, there, we actually have a plethora of game stores for a small community. But uh, so Castles is that quintessential, uh, tons of stuff from all different eras of gaming, comics, and from all different eras of, of the uh, the comic book industry. But it's all just piled everywhere. So if you're the kind of person, if you're an American picker mm-hmm. and you like to go through and that's kind of exciting to you to see what's there, great place to go. If you're not into that, eh, they're very nice people, though. They know their store, so if you ask them what you, you're looking for, they'll probably be able to help you. But anyhow. Oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. throw that but out anyway, as a caveat. No, thank you. It was one of those adventures where the the Dungeon Master, we were playing D&D 2nd Edition, I think. This is right before 3rd came out. Anyway, it was one of those where... <laughs> Uh, the NPC. It was the NPC show. <laughs> I know which one. And that's what about. it was. I remember the game. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and I'm like, I cannot stand that. Um, you know, it, it, I'm not there to for you to you know get your NPC. And the NPCs were all based off of their previous player characters. Mm-hmm. So um, I've done that as Easter eggs for myself. You know, because it's just fun for me, you know, but they're NPC Easter eggs. It's like in my head, the NPC who now runs the tavern is my old character back when I was in junior high. For you me, know. for me, sometimes. And that's I'm... just a thing for myself. He doesn't have anything to do with the plot and doesn't take the star yeah. away from the from the players. I'll do it sometimes just because, like, I know that character's voice and how they react, yeah. but again, it's not there because, oh, look at this guy. It's it's there because it's the quickest thing I can come up with in my head to fill this spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That would be oh. one that's just... Uh, yeah, it was a that D&D was a game, game where I, I, spent, I spent half the game frozen in place. <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the one I went with. Now, the other one, that's a Star Wars game, West End Games... Uh, I kind of derailed the game, but anyway, uh, it was all for the better because one of the things I learned about when, if you do story times for kids, whether you're doing like Sunday school stuff or stuff at the library, if you don't entertain the kids, they'll entertain themselves. (laughs) And that was exactly what this was. Yes. So I I think I'm going to take over from there and uh, I'm going to preface this with a, uh, a fresh beer here. Let me crack this open here. Yeah. Got a, a, a Sun King Sunlight Cream Ale. Uh, drinking oh, these yeah, in that's honor of uh, Gen Con. That's where I'd normally be drinking these. But uh, so yeah, so same comic shop. Um, most most same players, different game master. And uh, to me, this was the classic. I think I've got a story, but I've not really prepared scenario. Because this Game Master, like, we were playing Star Wars. We seemed to be just drifting around this planet, doing God knows what. None of us could quite figure out what it was we were trying to accomplish. We um, were, if there was a plot train, we would have jumped on it in a heartbeat. Oh, hell yeah. We were desperate. I, we were digging through the sand looking for tracks, man. Because, uh, oh, geez. 
And uh, so we're out in the weeds in this game trying to figure out what's inside this guy's mind. Uh, and he's just kind of rambling on from one thing to the next. And at some point, one of the NPCs we run into is none other than Lando Calrissian. And he throws out, because none of us know who this character is, he throws out a photocopied picture of uh, Lando. And it's a drawing of Lando. It's not even Billy D. Yes, yeah. But obviously, you know, yes, it's obviously him, but it's not, yeah, it's a, it's a drawing of it. And, uh, and I think it was you that started it. Um, I was bored, man. I was so bored. So, so Thomas cuts a little hole uh, out where Billy D. Williams' mouth is. And then begins to, like, put the, the picture up to his face and, like, do a commercial for, what was it, uh, Colt 45 uh, beer and all sorts of stuff. And then everybody's doing it. Everybody's, you know, like, what have we got here? You know, and and doing all the classic, you know, oh, pseudo-porno lines from uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, but, yeah, that I mean, it was it was like your plane had crashed in a desert playing this game. And you were just desperate for some freaking clue where civilization was going to be. <laughs> just looking for that plot anywhere it could possibly be. Hoping that maybe, you know, some, you know, Sarlacc pit would just swallow your character up so you could go home. Uh, it was crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so oh are... boy, I got, the, I got the stink eye so bad after that. I popped out. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, I came, okay, look. When I, I came all the way up to sh the shop from, uh, um, Lebanon, right? I had switched jobs. Yeah, and I was living in Lebanon, which is about 45 minutes away. So um, I had switched jobs, so my schedule had changed. So I would leave right after work and head straight up there to go play. And then I'd play till like, we'd play like midnight sometimes. Yeah, I mean, this, and this was a Thursday night, so we would start, I think, at like, I want to say we started usually actually playing about maybe 8 o'clock. And you're right, we'd play yeah. at least till midnight. Yeah, sometimes one, two in the morning. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, you know, this was – I was going out of my way, and this is what I was going to, going to go do to have fun. And I wasn't – I think we ended up uh, – I think it was shortly after that I derailed the whole game with the DC Universe uh, – with the DC Heroes game by West End Games. Which, it was you know, salvation, yes. Yeah, there, it was for the best. Yeah. And, and the thing that makes <laughs> me a little bit upset about it is is this this Game Master had been a player in the game for a very long time. And mm -hmm. we kind of yeah. traded off game mastering before this, and all of us, I mean, I felt, were so very prepared for the game. Like, we knew what was, you know, what the possibilities were, what, you know, and it really just filled like he, you know, just showed up and was like, well, I'm going to just run this off the cuff and see what happens, and man, did it not turn out. Oh, boy. Even improv GNs have a plot in mm -hmm. their head. This could go one way, it could go another. They're really good on the fly, and you know, and that works out. But they have some idea when yeah, they sit down. A, with a closet full of old games that they've done before, kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. things in their mind. Yeah. Yeah, oh. that was that was a, yeah, that was a good one. Um, I tell you what, we should sometime talk about our oddest gaming experiences mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, and the the one I've got is when we played at the, uh, and I'll just we're just gonna preview this when we played at the what Purdue, was it the Purdue undergrad undergraduate library undergraduate library in the basement yeah I think it's probably both of us for that one <laughs> uh, yes which by the way I I shared that story with Jim Zub who is the writer for Conan uh, for Marvel Comics and he's a game writer and stuff too and he loved it but anyway <laughs> there you, we'll we'll tease that story and tell it another time. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. All right. Well, uh, Lynn O., I hope you've enjoyed our sufferings. <laughs> and uh, that brings <laughs> us to the main event here, folks. It's time for This Old Dungeon. This Old Dungeon. Supposed to blow the bloody doors off. All right, guys and gals, and in between, we uh, we promised you uh, the other time that we were going to look into doing an episode where we talked about our top five favorite adventures throughout all possible role-playing game systems. Uh, so we're doing that today. We'll return to our normal format of of renovating dungeons and adventures hopefully maybe in the next episode or two but uh, tonight top fives uh, but we need Briggy to start us off here oh you mean my t- my number one my only one well Is that what I'm gonna... don't don't tell us your number one yet we'll save that for the big finale but um, tell us why okay. it is uh, that you only have a number one. Oh, oh, well <laughs> gosh okay sure sure that's because I'm a newbie and uh, I have been role-playing for 10, 11 years maybe at that. So I did not play as a teen or tween to teen or any of that. So that is why I only have one because, you know, I'm the noob. That's (laughs) part of the dealio. But uh, I have faith in uh, my veterans here on the podcast to uh, give everybody some excellent modules and some good (laughs) uh, fun commentary on these. And guys, you, you gotta have some pity for Briggy because she's really kind of been the guinea pig for Thomas and I. A lot of the games that she's played oh, in have all been ours. But she's a good sport. She's a hell of a sport. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good time, actually. I really do. It's a a lot of fun. So I like and it, and I think it's helped me become. Like that person that can, okay, let's not worry about exactly what the module says. Let's just, you know, mix it up a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. do some things. Let's maybe change it up to to go with the flow of the way the, you know, uh, the famous, the fun quote to say right now is go with your vibe of your tribe kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, and your game group is kind of like that. So you have to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, and you're the per- it's the perfect example of a, what I've always said. A module is like a script. Your players are like your actors, and your game master is your director. You are free to make adaptations as you go. Absolutely. Well, so shaking down this this top five here, right? so it'll be Thomas and I here up till number one, and the three of us will will each have a number one. Um, I'm going to start us off with my number okay. five. Uh, All right. And and this is hard to do. Oh, and I. I I want to say we did not reveal what these are to each other before we started playing. Before great. we started, because we wanted it to be fresh. We, we, we made the, the pact. That, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's just the fun part. Yeah, we made yeah. a pact that if we do have ones in common, we'll jump in at that point. But we, we really developed this uh, separately here. So, uh, and, and this is a hard thing to do, folks. I mean, it's hard enough to come up with like say five of your favorite Dungeons and Dragons modules. But this is five of your favorite out of any game system you've ever played in your life. Uh, so that was really tough. Uh, and, and one thing I found out is that really the, the majority of game systems I've played in you know, uh, consistently 
are almost all either TSR games or West End games. Uh, I've got very little outside of that. So, my number five, um, as you guys have already heard me say multiple times, one of my favorite systems is Hollow Earth Expedition, which I I, I recently learned is now dead. but uh, it's a fantastic system, and there's a particular game that if I'm trying to introduce people to it, I always bring them to. Uh, it was actually given to me um, by the person that wrote it at a convention here in Indiana. Uh, so uh, this gentleman, I believe, lives in Kokomo. He goes by S.D. Hilton, and he and a couple of his buddies put together this uh, adventure. They're, they're really tight with the people, uh, Exile Game Studios, the people that... Uh, made Hollow Earth Expedition, Jeff Comos, um, the creator there. Um, and so in conjunction with him, they kind of put together these con modules that introduced the game, and, and they're just really well made. They've got you know art that they've actually put in for these particular ones uh, that they commissioned for it. Um, so this one is called Embrace of the Zombie. And it, it, it hits everything that a Hollow Earth Expedition module should hit. Um so, you know, Hollow Earth Expedition is all pulp, uh, 30s, 40s, uh, even 50s kind of adventures. They, they've got some sci-fi that they worked in towards the end of the run. And uh, so this one, you play people that are making a movie, a low-budget movie. It's got a real uh, King Kong vibe from the, the uh. Peter Jackson version of King Kong there. Um, mm. And uh, so to, to do this low-budget zombie movie, they decide they'll rent a plane, they'll fly the crew over to a Caribbean isle where there are some ruins that are very, you know, cult, voodoo, you know, Haitian kind of looking stuff. And they're doing these, you know, takes there. Meanwhile, a group of uh, Nazi scientists have flown onto the island uh, because they believe that, you know, there's this because occult Nazis. power. Yeah, because Nazis, yeah. yes. <laughs> Gotta have Nazis yes. in Hollow Earth Expedition. And uh, basically through the action of the movies while they're filming in these temples... Um, the Nazis have set off this mystical power and the temple gets activated and zombies really come to life and a portal opens to the hollow earth and there's fights with zombies fights with lizard men fights with the Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, culminating in a battle with the zombies the T-Rex and a couple biplanes uh, it's just fantastic it plays fast I've never, I've always gotten to the end of it I've never had it last more than 4 or 5 hours uh, and it's just fun fun from start to finish it really gets you into that you know um movie kind of mentality that and that's how hollow earth plays it's got a a very action-oriented feel to it um just you know one up and the other players with the crazy stuff you're doing i love it (laughs) i love i love hollow earth (laughs) yeah uh, that is like it's it's such an elegant system too it's too bad it didn't do more I, you know, I remember at Gen Con one year, their booth was like this tiny little table on a little corner in a little <laughs> spot. Please, sir, look at my role-playing game. Yes. Please, sir. Yeah. Please, that sir. Year, I mean, literally, their booth was basically just them, uh, a and demonstration a map, table. and stacks of yeah. their books. <laughs> Yeah, and then the following year they had like a a, a t- they had a booth they had a huge giant tent and they had <laughs> you know fake trees and palm fronds and the whole bit yeah. and it was like they had exploded. They like the, the lost ark uh, tiki idol at the beginning of the thing. There, yeah, fertility yeah. Idol. that was yeah, uh, and 
Yeah, and you could win. They were give. They were auctioning that off. Not auctioning, but raffling it off. You know, whoever got the guess the weight of it would win it. Um, I think I was within a couple of ounces of it too, so that was crazy. And they were good guys, just great guys. And then over the years, the game kind of fluctuated, went up and down. But I've played with those guys from Kokomo at a different Gen Con, and I didn't get a copy of the game, but it was fan freaking tastic, even the one they did. And it was one where it had to do with Tesla and Thomas Edison, and we ended up on Mars. It was just awesome. So I can't imagine that this one is, you know, just as awesome as that one was. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, I don't know if this is available. It's I've kind of got what what the, in the industry they call the Ashcan version, where it's basically like mm-hmm. photocopied stuff. Um, but uh, they, they called themselves this group that made these. They called themselves Incredibly Inappropriate Entertainment, and they put out a <laughs> bunch of these uh, starter or not starter, but con game versions of Hollow Earth Expedition. And they put out a magazine for a while. I can't remember what the magazine was called. I should know it. I've got I think all the copies of it. Uh, but yeah, they, it's it's great, and I, I gotta say, man, it really bummed me out this summer to learn that Hollow Earth was was a done deal, because I, you know, they, they took so long coming out with their books. I just assumed it was another one of those, you know, where it was gonna be, hey, you know, they'll talk about the book, and then you know, three years from now it'll actually come out, and, I, and that's terrible. But but I was used to it, and I'm okay with it if it's a good book, which all theirs were. So well, I think that was their their death knell too, yeah. and that's not what this is about, you know. Yeah, 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 and that's that's what it was. But yeah, they were just absolutely fantastic. And if it's the same group I'm thinking of, I ran a, I played in, I didn't run, I played in a different um, game uh, with them, and they were just awesome. So yeah, I would, you know, that would be an awesome one. Uh, I am doing a real quick search on drive through. RPGs, one of our favorite places to go get stuff. Um, and I'm just looking to see what do they have by Hollow Earth on there, and they have some miniature. They have some miniature stuff like you can. Uh, Fat Dragon Games has some stuff. I was gonna say I think because uh, I looked at it, I think they've taken all the Hollow Earth stuff off of there. I'm not. I'm not sure why. That's I don't true. know if like for tax purposes he decided to dissolve the company and so he can't make any more income on it. But um, that's just sad, folks. If you yeah, anyway. get, get a copy, it's a great game. Yeah, they it have is the a big, great game. Yeah, there's the. They had three hardcover books. Um, they had. Uh, they did come out with the first book. They came in a smaller version in paperback. Mm-hmm. They came out with two different GM screens. They had their special dice set, um, and some of their poker chips, which they used as their bennies in the game. Mm-hmm. And then they also had. Uh, they actually had four four uh, hardcover books because uh, they came out with Mars at the end there. They had Mars, Hollow Earth, Surface World, and then the the rule book uh, and then they also had uh, you could get a soft cover version of uh, I think they had two different adventure collections that were a soft cover version you could get I think they were collections of the like their free RPG day stuff uh, they, they were, what some of it was um, but I, well I, I, I here's what I know one of them was not one of them was exclusively uh, either PDF release adventures that they had written on drive through uh, or, or stuff that was meant for the collection. Um, this, that was one of them, because it, it, uh, I have that one. The one I don't have might have had some of the free RPG stuff in it, um, but I'm not sure, because I do have all their free RPG Day uh, booklets. 
Yeah, I've got some of them. I don't have all of them. Okay, so we're going to jump into the next one so we can keep this rolling. What do you got? Now, this is one I ran back in junior high. Uh, I have not ran it since. It's just a lot of fond memories of it. Um, And actually, this might be a really good one to do a two-parter episode, to do the first module and then do the second module. And that is, it's for uh, Advanced D&D L1, The Secret of Bone Hill by Leonard Lukofka. Yes, I love this game. And then the sequel, L2, The Assassin's Knot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just going with L1 because we're just doing it for one. Um, by the way, my personal copy still has the Ben Franklin sticker on the cover for $5.50. Um, what I really love about this, one of the things I love is how well that some modules in a series fit really well into the next one and some don't. They're just the numbers are in the series. That's all it is. This Secret of Bone Hill and the Assassin's Knot are really direct sequels of each other. The maps line up. It all makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as running the actual module, I don't really remember running the module. I just ran the dungeon in it for my cousins and stuff. <laughs> and that was just wicked, wicked fun. Um, I just remember it was just uh, so realized and so well thought out for a, you know, but it's more or less just a dungeon crawl kind of adventure. But the town, uh, it was just wonderful. And then the map that fit into the Greyhawk uh, so well. But I just, I loved, I think we just did the Bone Hill dungeon. I think we just kind of like, okay, you're at the doors, here we go. And we went with it. And I just remember having so much fun with this thing. And it's one of these, I'm surprised that, since um, Wizards of the Coast is, it seems like they're either coming up with original stuff or they're just revisiting the older stuff and keep going. You know, this was just a fun game. It was just, you know, it kind of had to me a little bit of a Scooby-Doo and D&D vibe to it because uh-huh. you go to this haunted house. Uh, this predated, I believe, um, Ravenloft, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it was just it was just a lot of fun. And it was almost like a campaign setting in and of itself just with this adventure. Um, yeah, I, but, I kind of felt because uh, I bought it late in life, but I played it earlier on. And so I kind of right. bought it because I was like, oh, I remember playing that. And uh, so it kind of had the layout of like a keep on the borderlands where you have kind of like you got a town, you've got, you know, people doing things and you've got this area you can go explore but it, it did better at like having that underlying plot that's going on that then moves forward and like you said into the assassin's knot. Yeah, and so I was thinking maybe for our next one we could do the for our next episode we could do Secret of Bone Hill and then part two our next episode after that we do L two the assassin's knot. Now, now you do uh, know that there are actually two more adventures after that as well. Are there? Do you see? Yeah. I didn't really know that because um, I did. I've not done my research. Man, um, my, my brain is is totally missing the names of those two but one so there's them, a there's an l3 and an l4 is what you're saying yes so l3 was actually released uh during the silver anniversary series and it's oh man i cannot remember for life of me what it is i, I want to say it has something to do with like dwarven forge or dwarven mines or something like that deep dwarven delve there we go yes thank you google and then um, uh Lukofka or his estate uh published a fourth one on their own that was like hey this was supposed to be the follow up to that uh devil spawn is yeah. l4 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That I've would, heard yeah. great things of the, the deep dwarven dwell, but I hope I got that in the right order. <laughs> well, I've, I've I think really we need to look at it. Do not have yeah, to. In, you know, even if I just got the PDF, L1, L2, L3, L4. Yeah, anyway, so that's something just from, uh, I remember running just the, just the mansion on Bone Hill for my cousins. And we just had a heck of a time because it's kind of like a haunted house adventure. Reminds me a little bit of Ravenloft later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was just a lot of fun. I remember that. And I've always wanted to run it again. Not update it to 5th edition. Run it with original AD&D or maybe Beck me sort of stuff. Uh-huh. So that's my, that's my uh, first one on the stack there. All right, what are you rocking for number four? Number four. Now, this is the one that's not quite a module, but it was a supplement that came with a GM screen or a DM screen. Basic Dungeons & Dragons, Beck Me, Treasure of the Hideous One by David Cook. Oh, yeah. This came with the, uh, I believe it was just the Basic and Expert, is what they called it, uh, GM screen, the brown one. Yeah, kind of cool. This one that has the, like, shambling mound, is it, on the cover? Um, right. well, the cover of the, the screen yeah. looks like it's got like, uh, there's a shambling mound by the looks of it. looks like there's some kind of weird owlbear, which actually looks more like it came out of the movie, the dark crystal. <laughs> and, and then I don't know if it's a ghoul or what that's mm. on there, but it came with just this, like, what was it? It's, um, it's, it's not a lot. It's like a 10 page module or whatever, but it's really well thought out. Um, basically you could drop it in anywhere that you're playing because your adventurers that are just kind of investigating these rumors, there's quite the mystery to it. This rumor of, um, you know, this possible treasure and stuff. But what's really cool is you're investigating this treasure and then the whole thing, you know, it's kind of site based. You go to site one, you go to site two, Mm -hmm. three, four, five, literally right in a row. And you're uncovering all this mystery and stuff. Then you get into site six and uh, the crap hits the fan (laughs) Um, because uh, you find yourself on this Island and you think that, you know, you're looking for this person. Uh, There's, there's a whole backstory where, um, the adventure is this group, this group of soldiers were sent to go find this treasure. Um, they believe the treasure was found, but then the, the group, which is like 200 some mercenaries or soldiers are never heard from again. And you don't know what happened to them. So you, you've got, you know, maybe you've gotten a hold of a scrap of something. Uh, there's a part of the adventure that comes with, it's called the Veteran's Tale, which gives all kinds of clues to the game. And it's a piece of parchment. And so you find it, and it's got these clues, and now you're searching the clues, and you're following along. And it's a kind of a site-based adventure. And like I said, then you get to site six of this one through six uh, part encounter, and the whole thing just flips on its ears, and you're in over your head. Because if there's a vampire and you find out the guy who led that original expedition is now the vampire, but he's a really nice vampire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you're cool with him, he's cool with you. But if you're not, well, crap. Um, and there's these urns well, around the island. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's just it's just really cool. I ran this for a couple of friends back in high school and stuff. Um, 
And it was just a lot of fun because they thought they were in for one thing, and that's what they thought it was. Okay, it's kind of a dungeon delve. Then the whole thing flips, and you're in over your head, and it was just a lot of fun. And it plays really well up to this day because of that factor. You think it's one thing. It's actually another by the time you're done with it. Um, and that's what's really great about it because now, now you're on this island, and you've got – and it's this island in the middle of a swamp. Right, but you could take this encounter six if you want, and just you can you could pull this whole part out, and you could put this island off the coast of any game setting you want, your own or Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk or Aberon or wherever you want to put it, you know, or, or Ravenloft. It could be an island near Ravenloft because it, it does involve a vampire and stuff, and it's just really fun and it's really good, and I th and it just it holds up really really well. Um, because, and it's not overly complicated. Um, you know, there's a lot of room for expansion. There's a lot of room for you adding your own stuff into it, but treasure of the hideous one, you can find it on PDF. Um, I'm, it's on drive through RPG and stuff. Uh, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's a really good Beck me game and it would not be hard to update to second, third up all the way to, I wouldn't bother with fourth. That's not a commentary. Um, <laughs> but, but fourth does yeah, not, but it, <laughs> it is, but it isn't. Fourth does not lend itself to a that lot. Kind of, yeah. The mystery and the character. Yeah. And you think it's one thing and then it flips around and it's something else altogether. Um, but yeah, Treasure of the Hideous One. So some of this, some of my selections are from nostalgia alone. Um, and that's the first two. That's totally nostalgia. My next three are something a little different. But anyway, there <laughs> well, you go. Say, that's I mean, from your description of it, i got to say I've, I've got the screen, but it didn't come with the adventure. So I've never read that adventure. I don't know a lot about it. But I you... had it for the longest time. And, you know, things happened. I didn't yeah. have it. I bought the screen, and the guy said, oh, it's all complete and on eBay. And then I'm like, it didn't come with the adventure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but then I found a PDF and printed it off online. So now I've got it. But, yeah. But the, the what you said there about it being a simple adventure, it doesn't require a lot of, like, front-end loading, but yet has no. that, that twist of plot. I mean that's that's some artistry there to be able to to do that to you know have that you know jackknife in in what's going on without having to set it up with a whole bunch of crap. Um, well, and that's that's the beauty of it is you think it's one thing too, but and it is, but then the whole thing flips. It's it's what I like to call it's like the movie Psycho, but the Alfred Hitchcock classic. Mm -hmm. um, it starts the movie starts. How, how about the shot for shot remake of the Alfred Hitchcock classic? Could it also be that? Uh, well, there's a shot-for-shot shot remake of the movie Lion King, and I didn't like it either. Um, but anyway, um, but it, you think it's one thing, and then suddenly the whole thing flips, and it becomes something else. Mm -hmm. And that's like your average episode of The Simpsons, too. It usually starts about one thing and then ends about something completely different. That's the best. Yeah. So, yeah. Treasure of the Hideous One by David Cook. Yeah, not, not to keep kicking the tires on that but the other thing that I think and, and, and you and I kind of had some off air conversations about this uh, a lot of those starting adventures a lot of those short little you know here's something to get you into the game kind of adventures uh, they're way underappreciated for what they do and the amount of time they do it in um, mm -hmm. I agree yeah I mean there, there are many times I'd rather play something small like that that I know hey we're going to get to the end of this than even some of my more favorite you know 
full-on adventures that are, you know, eight hours in and you're still not even anywhere close to the ending. Yeah. I think it just depends on, um, like, how it how it goes. You know, like, I mean, we played in one game for a long time, and it went really, really well, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's, with the right group of people, and as long as the Game Master has that sense of uh, drama, uh, dramatization, I guess, or, you know, where, where they can they can ebb and flow with, okay, we're going to ratchet things up, we're going to get some excitement going, okay, now it's more, you know, subtle role-playing and, and filling in the, the story of, of, you know, why all this is happening, and then it's doable. But, but for some people where it's, you know, you get into a slog of, okay, this, you know, we've been in this dungeon forever killing things, let's do something else now, you know. Make it worth my while. <laughs> I was just saying, like, you know, it just depends, like you said, this dungeon. But, I mean, I guess for ours, we were in a tower and every level had these crazy things on it. And I wasn't bored at all. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was my first, like, real adventure, though. My first campaign kind of thing. Oh, she's talking you about know? losing her nerginity. <laughs> <laughs> thought of it that way but yeah absolutely like i still do you go back to your first character because i still like oh i love that character i have no oh, i wish we'd character. bring up these characters again <laughs> or whatever you know yeah I, I have no affinity for the character but i i do often think back to that experience of playing the first game and what the game was like and the game master and the, the, you know all the you know the setting of you know where we were what we were doing all that kind of thing yeah Absolutely. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, Go no, ahead. Um, so my my fourth pick, um, I, I kind of feel bad about putting this into my top five because the honest truth is I've never ran this game. I've only ever read it. Uh, so this is the Yellow Clearance Black Box Blues for the system Paranoia. And um, it, it is a crazy adventure. In Paranoia... Uh, for those that don't know, it's it's a game that takes place in a dystopian future, um, and the computer rules over everybody. Uh, there's no uh, human reproduction. Everybody's a clone that the computer generates. And uh, all the citizens are given different colors of uh, jumpsuits to di- that, that kind of dictates what they're able to do and where they're able to go in this uh, underground complex because the, the world's been supposedly nuked or whatever. And... Um, the uh, there's all these secret societies. People are kind of uh, they're leery of the computer. They realize the computer really does not have them in their in its best interest. Um, so anyhow, in, in this particular module, this is this huge oh it's how many pages? 48 page module. Um, basically, you've got this MacGuffin, this black box. That I mean, it is the literal MacGuffin. Like it can do anything. It's you know ultimate power. And the characters are all put within, like, arm's reach of it. But the thing in the game is that uh, alongside being these problem solvers that work for the computer doing its, doing its tasks, you also have a secret society. And your secret society has what it wants to accomplish. So you might be, you know, a, a communist. You might be a, a mutant. You might be, a, you know, like a, somebody that's trying to destroy all technology. And so everybody sets off on this mission 
with opposing goals for what they want to do once they get the black box. And it is just like, oh, I mean, it's page after page of these hilarious scenarios where nobody can win. Uh, and the best you can do is like just, you know, piss on your neighbor kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's in a fun way. It's not like when this game's played, it never ends up where it's like you're, you're you know, it's, it's not PvP. You're not like trying to hurt the person just to show your dominance. But it's just kind of like, like toying with people and, and it's I don't know uh, it's just very funny uh, the the redundancies that the computer has built into it in, in some of the uh, situations in this and the, uh, the, the the way things again are set up to where you cannot win like if you do A the computer is going to execute you for treason if you do B so and so's secret society is going to win over and, and snuff you out uh it's just it's very cleverly written uh, probably my favorite paranoia uh, module well I've never played paranoia but I've heard nothing but good stuff about paranoia so I'm not surprised to hear you say that yeah, yeah oh I, I forgot uh, it's written by John M Ford and it actually won the 1984 world fantasy award for publication it was uh, declared like the, oh wow the best module printed for RPGs in that year so uh, you know, I guess it's not just me, guys. Other people like it, too. Well, and that's back in a time when uh, there weren't a whole lot of game companies out there, either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm going to keep us going. Yes. Thank you. Um, that. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with my number three, which ties into yours a little bit, because I've never actually ran it myself. Um, I've read it. I enjoy it. I'm going to give you a little, it's uh, the top. It's for four to six players generated using 300 to 1000 hero points. Uh, <laughs> it is number 210 in the DC heroes role-playing uh, module, the doomsday project yes. by Mark Akers. Now I'm a big Superman fan, so I try and get as much as I can. Uh, I had a lot of more of the Mayfair stuff. This is the Mayfair DC Heroes role-playing game from the 80s. Um, I used to have a lot more. You know, you sell things when they're worth a lot of money. You need the money, so on. You're trying to clean house, whatever. Um, I've since gotten a lot of stuff back. Um, in particular, I try and get as much of the Superman stuff I can because I'm a big Superman fan. So I enjoy getting those modules. But this one I always, I always liked. Um, basically, Superman gets uh, – there's a, a kind of a – a B-level DC villain named the Bug-Eyed Bandit. And he does bug-based crimes and uses bugs in his crimes and, you know, kind of a DC villain sort of thing. Well, he manages to capture Superman and takes him out of the picture. He should not be able to do that. Well, the game is designed initially that you can play the new Teen Titans, the Marv Wolfman, George Perez version with... Starfire and Robin, this is before Nightwing, and Cyborg, Changeling, Raven, all of them and stuff. But it's very much, this is the part I love about it, it's very much designed that you can insert your own characters. Which is um, kind of a rarity for that system. Exactly. Yeah, it fits very well with putting your own in here. Uh, And that's what I like about it. So you get in there, you start investigating, there's the bug-eyed bandit. And you know I like plot twists, especially in a game. Um, And you find out, there's there's no way, why bug-eyed bandit's like a B-level Adam villain? (laughs) Why is this guy even being able to take out Superman? And this is the pre-crisis, super powerful Superman. What gives? (laughs) 
well, as you investigate and stuff and you're getting your butts handed to you by Bug-Eyed Bandit, you find out actually the person empowering Bug-Eyed Bandit is Brainiac, the classic Superman villain. And this is the Eduardo Barreto redesign. Yeah, the really cool skeletal Terminator-looking design from the 80s when they revamped, totally revamped Brainiac, which I absolutely love. And I always thought Brainiac was a better better villain for Superman because he's cosmic like Superman is. And in his very first adventure back in the 50s, Superman did not defeat Brainiac. He capped, he grabbed the bottle city of Candor and ran for it. Uh, that was unheard of, like in the 50s mm. stuff. You know, the best Superman could hope for was to run away. And that's exactly what happened. So Brainiac is a major level villain. So you go from fighting the bug-eyed bandit to suddenly you're on Brainiac's big skull ship. And you guys are, again, like I said, I love this stuff, way in over your head. And how are you <laughs> going to... Uh, overcome this now as far as updating this to now and how we do things i'm kind of clueless in this one um because for one if you're going to update it as a module it kind of works the way it is mm-hmm. you know as far as the plot is concerned and stuff like that and especially if you're playing a superhero game um but on the flip side to that as many times as dc reboots their characters um you know which version of Brainiac you're using. I don't know which one that we got. There's been so many versions of Brainiac, blah, 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 whatever. But if you just take it to you know, face value, it doesn't even have to be Brainiac. You could say, well, the Bug-Eyed Bandit got a hold of some sort of supercomputer or there's a, you know, whatever it might be. But I, lo- I always wanted to run this, and I went as far as I had friends create characters in the DC Hero system, which is an all-day event, uh, you know, uh, as far as creating characters are concerned. But, of course, one of those things, you create characters, but you never actually played the game. Because I thought it would have been a really great start to a campaign. You know, these characters, you know, they're they're not as powerful as everyone else, but they, man- you know, maybe, hopefully, they managed to defeat Brainiac and free Superman, which is kind of also the plot of the thing is, you're not really going to try and defeat Brainiac, you just want to free Superman, and he'll take it from here. Thanks, kids. <laughs> now, now, Thomas, uh, I might have a faulty memory, or, or perhaps you do, but I, I think you did run this game. I think you you uh, ran it in the DC Universe system for us at the comic Ah, uh, I ran it. sure. Diff- I remember... I ran a different one that was also a Superman game. But it also had Brainiac in it, right? Where, yeah. where Superman was captured. I remember distinctly playing my character, The Sketch. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to try was... to free Superman from Brainiac's ship. I, I, I distinctly remember this. But I, maybe it's not, like you said, maybe it's a different one loosely based. I think what, I did, incorporated I think what I did was I used elements from oh, this okay. in that um, because I really wanted to use, you know, it yeah. didn't quite so there was a good adaptation there. Okay. Um, I remember also you guys uh, ended up. I wanted to say there was a whole new gods element too, where you guys ended up into a dream realm of the Jokers. And I yeah, I, I kind of meshed the two together yeah. and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's just a great game. I love it. It's it's classic pre-crisis Superman, and it would be to me it would be the great start of an ongoing campaign for of a superhero game. You know, especially one where you guys are actually the 
you guys are the B level characters. Mm-hmm. You're not even A level characters. Sort of a test your metal kind of moment to yeah. You have a great shining moment of glory where we freed Superman and fought Brainiac. Well, what <laughs> have you done lately? Um, uh, it crimes down on Fifth Street. <laughs> yeah, um, I got that cat out of the tree, and uh, you know, the, you know, we we uh, got that uh, Nigerian email sting <laughs> we took care of that you know it's, i always thought it'd be a little more fun like that but yeah. the doomsday program by mark Akers is from the dc heroes role-playing module uh system and this is the old mayfair games dcu system which seemed incredibly crunchy but actually was not it's got a lot of things about it that i really admire as a system uh a lot of clever things they're their AP chart, uh, where everything's kind of done in this logarithmic scale of, of uh, so many points, you know, you know, like I don't know, I, I don't know the ratio, but say like one point lifts fifty pounds, and two points doubles that, and three points doubles that, and uh, once you it's get kind that, of exponential, yeah, yeah, and, and once you get that kind of curve figured out in your mind, it's not a bad system. A lot of people, you know, they trash it, but it, uh, if if you've played a couple games of it and it's been forever since I have um, it goes real well and if you're interested in that uh, I highly recommend there was a Batman role playing game that Mayfair did mm-hmm. towards the end of the line came it's out actually when the, better than the core system I think I, I think so too I think it, it came out when the the uh, Tim Burton movie was released and it truncates the system into a lot simpler form um, it's all in one book and I mean uh, there are dozens of these. I think you can probably find them on eBay pretty cheap. You can find them on the cheap, and you can find them if you ever make it to Gen Con. There's you. You can find copies for five bucks. Yeah. Some people want to charge twenty or thirty. Don't pay that. Most you should pay for this game is maybe ten bucks. Mm-hmm. And it, it truncates it to like street level sort of stuff. You might have some powers, one or two, but it's not the big stuff like Wonder Woman, The Flash, and Superman. Mm-hmm. It's more like Batman, Green Arrow and black canary sort of stuff yeah but it's again it's fully backwards compatible with the system and and, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's actually how i first learned the system and then i went back and bought the other modules and things for it so that's good my what are we on now we're on three right number three third uh pick is i'm finally getting into the the dnd stuff um this you guys have heard me talk about it uh so i'm not going to spend too long on it but uh Horror on the Hill by Douglas Miles, B5. And um, just to hit the highlights, um, the thing that sets it apart from many adventures that are very similar to it, because it's it's in that line with the the, uh, Secret of Bone Hill and uh, Keep on the Borderlands and things like that. But the thing to me that sets it apart is like Keep on the Borderlands is an all-you-can-eat ribeye steak. Okay, and man, you know, ribeye steak's great, and you eat your first ribeye steak. Ribeye steak's pretty good, you eat your second ribeye steak. Ribeye steak's uh, pretty decent, you're on your third one. But it's all the same for a long time. Whereas Whore on the Hill is more like your classic buffet, where there's stuff on this hill uh, that's, that, that's very diverse. And uh, depending on where your players want to explore, depends on what they'll get into. Um... It, it doesn't have a very strong plot to it, but it seems to me like it was designed to. It seems to me that there's just this very 
straightforward plot line that that is there if you just read what's on the hill that oh this is what must be going on here um it's got a big variety of monsters uh it's it's meant to be one of those classic sandbox kind of scenarios where you, you stay in guido's fort and then you you ship across the river shrill to to go adventuring and come back when you've gotten yourself beaten up a bit um it's one of the few B modules where you can actually possibly fight a dragon. Uh, right. It, there's the there's the dragon in the Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, the the other thing about it that I like is that um, it's got some really clever maps, uh, and it's it's wilderness maps, cave maps. You've got the map of the the evil monastery. Dungeon maps underneath it, uh, with some clever little uh, twists and turns, tricks and and uh, rooms where you, you confuse the players as to where they think they are in it. Uh, just everything, it's got it all. It's the complete package in one module, and it's low level. Uh, you know, it's rare that you can find a module for low level characters that'll give them all these experiences without needing them to, you know, be sixth, seventh, eighth level. So, horror on the hill, Douglas Niles, B five got my third uh yeah that's awesome um keeping moving down to my second now uh, since we're talking about dragons in the dungeons and dragons uh we're going with it's advanced dungeons and dragons dl1 Dragonlands: dragons of despair by the great tracy hickman oh, yeah. now if you've read the uh the original Dragonlance novels, this kind of takes uh, probably the first half of the first novel, um, Autumn, Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Uh, it's almost, it, it is the exact plot to this. Um, it's, you, you meet up, the adventurers meet up after being uh, separated for a while, some stuff happens, and they go to, uh, you know, there's a couple of chapters, and you go into... Um, the what is it the 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 caverns and stuff and you try and retrieve the artifact which is the spear I believe in this one I'm probably getting this all kinds of wrong uh, <laughs> uh, hate mail can be directed to Thomas <laughs> at um, uh, uh, this whole dungeon but anyway what I really like about this is like the Doomsday program now this comes with the the great standard characters that show up in um, the Dragonland story. You've got Raceland, you've got Caramon, you've got Tannis Half-Elven, you know, you've got all of those characters, and they have write-ups for those characters, so you can play them in the game and stuff. But what's cool is, if you decide you want to plug your own characters into the Dragonlands game, okay, everyone, we're going to create fourth-level characters. Here's what you need, kind of a, a group template mm-hmm. to use the, the Fear the Boot example. You guys have all been separated for about five years. You're going to meet up in the inn, of the last home and we're going to pick up, you know, this, this module and the overall game requires a little more character investment. You're not just going to meet in the tavern. You're not just going to come together and go fight in the dungeon. No, there needs to be some buy-in for your characters. Why did you separate for a little while? Why are you coming back together? What's going on? You might need a couple of your characters to say, okay, here's what I, as you know, I believe in there's, yeah, here's your group template, you know, how you all get along. And I always believe that there is a the DM caveat, which is, okay, this is what I need from the players to to uh, enable my plot, and then we can, you know, go from there. You know, 
you guys are all old friends. You're all from the same. And I've used this before. You're all old friends. You're all from the same hometown. You're coming back after five years out and adventuring, and we're going to pick it up from there. And so you could plug in your own characters into this. What's also really cool is you can take the cavern map. You can take, uh, what is it, Zach Saroth. Is that the name of the... Yep, Zach Saroth. See, I've read the I've read the novel a few times. You'd think some of it would stick, um, and you could just take this out and plug it into your game. Well, I need to send my guys into um, a dungeon. You could just pull. You don't even have to use the module. Just take the dungeon out of it and plug it into your adventure. And yes, you will actually fight a dragon in this dungeon. <laughs> um, and that's what's really cool about it. And you have the gully dwarves, which are so awesome. Uh, you know. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of chance in here for some really good action and adventure. There's some really good moments in this if you're willing to put the effort into it for some good characterization and RP. So it's got both. It's got dungeon. It's got dragon. It's got you can kill the monster and take their stuff and level up. But at the same time, you know you can do things like what's my motivation? You know <laughs> that's that's uh, I need my character immersion, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, and that's what's really great about this. And the DL1 series, the DL Dragonlance series is awesome. Uh, DL1's really good, Dragons of Despair. And it goes, there's like 12 volumes of this. And each one, if you've read the novels, it's pretty much it's pretty much the, the plot of the novels. Mm-hmm. So it could be a little right. railroad. But that's what I like to say is like, okay, it could be very railroady, but at the same time, why don't you start with DL1 and see how, how would you tell this story? Here's the plot. Here's the right. underground underlying thing of what's going on. You could change things. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Like, yeah, I've always wanted to do that with, like, with a Star just Wars. Just kind of let it go, right? Like just yeah. let it fall yeah. where it is. Uh, and it could completely change. You might change be on the, the train to Chicago and you end up in Los Angeles. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's true. You know, you, you, it's the it's the journey, not the destination, and that's the fun part of it. And I think that's the the really great part about the Dragonland series. I always wanted to do that with Star Wars too, like uh, which Dark Horse did with their Star Wars Infinities comics. Like, let's do a story. Let's do a storyline with the the Star Wars characters where Han Solo does not come back to shoot Darth the shoot the TIE fighter that runs into Darth Vader which sends him spinning now Luke can go ahead and blow up the Death Star. Han does not come back. Darth yeah. Vader kills Luke, his own son. Now everything's gone to crap in a handbasket. Now our player characters come into it. Can we pull this out? Can we salvage the situation? You could do the same thing with Dragonlance as well. You know, okay, you've got all these different characters. You've read the novels. They, you know, they're they're Dungeons and Dragons staples. What story can you tell with it? What other direction can we go? And so that's why I really right. like it. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, going to say that I recently read these, or I'm on the third one. I think I'm on the third one. Okay. And they're really, really, really good. Well, you got them for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you really like fantasy stuff. And I'm like, I really do. Um, and I'm like, well, here, try this, because I read it in high school. I've read it as an adult two or three times. It just... They're they're fun, even you know parts of the Dragonlance books that, okay, yeah you can tell these were written at a certain time or whatever. They hold up. They hold up they really do. well. Because it's more it's characters um, like yeah, advancement. It, it's the growth of the characters. So whenever I feel that a story can be whatever, but if it has character growth and advancement, then it doesn't matter. 
You know, it's so that's the good part of it, in in my opinion. Yeah, once you're invested in those characters, everything that's else it. can kind of take a bit of a backseat. Yeah. Right, right. You know, like uh, like uh, I think it's the is it the second Star Trek movie you don't like? I thought you were about to say Seinfeld. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, second, it's kind of like Seinfeld. Yeah. The Show second about Star mean, Trek movie, the, uh, the new the, ones, the new ones, of the new ones. It's, yeah, yeah, in the darkness. Like, not a fan. A lot of diehard fans didn't like it, but I was I was invested in the characters, so I didn't care. I could care less. I liked it. I loved it. You know, I was you know, and I would love to have another you know Star Trek movie come up. Hint, hint, people that listen and make these things. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Like... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to I make think. to make sure that you make your hundred million, I'll go see this at this price so many million times. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I'll buy the DVD and and uh, play it often. Um, that's what I'll do, <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. So what some, are we some on? Hollywood executive is like, oh, okay then, and then they go. Yep. Anyway, sorry. I'd like to see one too because yeah. I, I really enjoyed Star Trek Beyond. I thought that one was the most Star Trekky of, <laughs> of the new so ones. good. Uh, Which anyway. one was it? Darkness that had Khan in it, or was that Beyond? Con, they didn't have Khan in it. They, they had uh, thought, sure. yeah, they did. Yeah, I know. I say that. Oh, no, no, that it's like wait a minute. I'm not a huge Trekkie, but I thought I understood what I was watching. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. They just whitewashed him. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, you can't. You okay? There's no way. We're not going to get into that, now, but anyway. <laughs> no, but I still will say there is no one that can replace Ricardo Montalban. Exactly. No way. There is not an actor to this day that can replace him, okay. except for Fernando Thomas. So, okay. get well, your A okay. game Thank on you. and start. You know. Yes, Fernando will be. You know. Kirk, my old friend. See? You're my friend because everyone loves Fernando. Exactly. You'd make. And then great. he looks over Kirk's shoulder and he goes, "Uhura, how you doing?" <laughs> you know. All right. Well, anyway. All right. What number are we on? We're on number we... two. You're, you're coming okay. up here. You, you get to participate in just a moment. Um, <laughs> so uh, my number two, uh, going back to Star Wars West. Actually, End we're at. Yeah, you're number two. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, number two. So, so Star Wars West End Games. Um, hmm. They, in my opinion, uh, 90% of their modules are top-notch. Uh, you could steal the plot off of them and put them in any game system you want, and for the most part, they're going to they're work out for you. Um, my favorite, though, uh, we're talking about you know plot twists and, and endings that you know double back on themselves and stuff. Uh, my favorite is a game they uh, produced called Starfall. And the basic plot is your your, your prisoners on a uh, Star Destroyer, and uh, you, you'd originally tried to rescue this engineer, um, I think uh, Walix Blissix is the guy's name, they always have these fun names, and uh, so you're on this Star Destroyer, you went to rescue him, but you got captured too, so you're all in prison on the Star Destroyer in the brig, and the Star Destroyer gets attacked by rebels, and gets crippled, and the power cuts out, and you get your chance, and you escape, and um, long story short, <clears throat> Walix convinces you that you know he he basically engineered these things. He was the mind from which they were designed, and uh, he he's like, man, I can lead you guys to the power core. We can set this ship to explode and uh, destroy. You know, have this massive uh, you know score against the empire by setting it to destroy. 
Um, then later on you find out that Walix Blissick's daughter is part of the Empire and she's on board the ship as well. And uh, she's kind of this love interest of the the uh, admiral that runs the ship, uh, uh, Commander Koloff or Captain Koloff or something like that. And long story short, you, you, you do this big trek, you know, classic Death Star sort of scenes where you're fighting in these hallways against stormtroopers and going through the trash compactor and, and uh, finally get to the power core and set it to explode. And then... As you're as you're trying to make it to this shuttle bay, because you see the oh hey you know there's this shuttle and it's all you know packed full of survival gear and, and ready to be taken off, you know we can go through this you know secret compartment here this you know like heating duct and uh, make it there and, and and take that shuttle and get off this place. As you're doing that, you come across this communication that basically this massive rebel fleet is on its way to save you, and basically it's all a setup where. The, the the Star Destroyer exploding will destroy the whole fleet. And so now you've got to go to the comm relays and repair them and get a message out to the fleet that, hey, no, we'll, we'll save ourselves, don't come, you know. Uh, and it ends in some, some you know, some, some kind of, I'm going to leave the ending a little nebulous here. It, it ends with some plot twists and a final standoff against the, the commander there at the shuttle, which ends up being, you know, kind of bait that he was throwing out to try to, uh, flush you guys out of the the uh, the ductworks of the ship anyhow, and then of course you've got the tension between the daughter and the father, and trying to convince her that she's on the wrong side and all this. Uh, anyhow, it's it's a masterpiece of plot work. I ran this I think four times. All four times, the the entire group of players were just dumbfounded when they found out that the rebel fleet was coming and that their actions. We're gonna blow the whole fleet up, and uh, it, it just it works out beautifully. Had a good time with Starfall. It's uh, from 1989, and written by Rob Jenkins and Michael Stern. That sounds awesome. It sounds like it's got all the great parts that made the first Star Wars movie so fun too. Mm -hmm. Elements of it that got you know plugged into this adventure, you know. Yeah, because the guy, the engineer, sort of got a Obi Wan Kenobi feel. And like I said, it's got nice. a lot of that Death Star crawl through kind of feel to it. Um, great stuff. Nice. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Um, I'll go that. Yeah. How come you haven't ran that for me? I mean, I, I <laughs> as I recall, uh, normally I, I run it because uh, that's the other great thing about it is the the launching point that um, there's this character that the Empire wants and that the Rebels want to rescue. You can replace Walex Blissics with about any character you want. And I normally take this and two other modules and make a trilogy out of them. And uh, I think we might have played the first one that I normally lead into this with. I normally lead into this with a module called Tattoony Manhunt. Um, but uh, I think we lost muster in our gaming group before we got to this one. I think you're right. I think I played in Tattooing Manhunt. As a bunch of crazy bounty hunters and, you know, like kind of... Uh, you know, like like uh, what do they call those uh, in the toy industry? When a knockoff, like these Mexican knockoffs of all your famous bounty hunters. So it's got like Jodo Cast <laughs> instead of Boba Fett. It's got IG seventy seven instead of eighty eight. Just all this, but they're fun. It's so yeah. Anyhow, okay, <laughs> Mexican knockoffs. Okay, all right. I'm moving now to my number one. To, you, okay. Did you do number two? 
Yeah, my okay. number two was. Oh, that's right. He went you're, number, you're leading. He went I'm following. I'm sorry. We're, we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. My number one. Um, I've always wanted to do this again. Um, I ran this back when it first came out in junior high. I've never ran it again because it was such a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> this is your number one? Yeah. Fire. Wow. Yeah. And number because one. It was so fun. Um, the, the number on it is MHSP number one uh-huh. from the producers of Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh-huh. Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars Secret from Wars. Oh, uh, I thought this was Gates yeah. of what if. Secret Wars, yes. No, this is uh this is the the module that adapts the Secret the original Secret Wars miniseries by Jim Shooter and Mike Zek. Um it's almost a campaign setting. That's what makes it so cool. Um this is that this is the the basis off of that original story where Marvel wanted to have their own toy line, so they came out with Secret Wars and to combat DC's superpowers, which ended up being a much more successful toy line. But the story was really good. All the heroes get kidnapped by this great cosmic being called the Beyonder. All the villains get kidnapped by the same cosmic being, and they're brought to this place called Battle World, <laughs> uh, which is a combination of all these places from all over the universe. And he wants to know what good and evil means. So he wins well then that's what the better force is good or evil and it's just uh and this is not a game where i would say it would be really cool to use your own characters in it though you could you easily could um but it's got all it's got the right yeah 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 but it's got all the write-ups that are in there for like the x-men and the avengers with cap and spidey and hulk and, uh, you know, all these characters. And then the bad guys, I mean, the guy kidnaps Galactus. The Beyonder <laughs> kidnaps Galactus. Uh, you know, that's wow. some pretty big stuff. And it's got most of the Masters. They had some uh, compromising pictures with him and some other lady or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But, yeah. but then he had Dr. Octopus and Dr. Doom, and it's just a really great story. But what I think would be really cool, uh, again, is one of these things of let's take the basic premise and this could be a whole campaign if you ran this thing right. It's not a big book, but you could if you ran it right, it would be a whole campaign, and you would actually play these characters. But what I think would be cool about this um, is what if you really played – and what became – I'll come back to this of, of what happened in junior high. <laughs> uh, but what would be – in today's vernacular, what would be really cool is – if they stayed on this world and kept doing this fight, what if certain characters died off and certain characters were replaced by others? Um, you know, and it ended up being this, you know, epic war or whatever, this really big epic secret wars. Um, but it has write-ups for all the characters in it. It pretty much has a railroad plot line from that does all 12 issues of the original secret wars. And you could follow that if you want, but hopefully you don't. Uh, but okay. So I think it's just a great system. It's one of the few times where I think where you would play. Um, I don't like playing superhero games where you are going to not usually. Okay, we're going to play a superhero game. You're going to be Cap. This is, you're going to be Spider-Man. This you're going to be the Hulk. You're going to be She-Hulk, and you're Invisible Woman. You know whatever. Um, because sometimes you don't really get the voice right or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you get the character quite right. So you want to come up with your own characters, right? This would be one of them that would be really cool to play the characters and see what you bring to it. Um, and then as the game went on and things changed, maybe you can introduce new characters. Um, 
I just, I love this game. I think it would be so much fun uh, to play now with, with modern sensibilities, <laughs> um, you know, with wild games around. Well, I made it a dumpster fire in junior highs. We did try and run this with a bunch of my friends and it just did devolved into a series of, uh, uh, arguments as what as as happens when you're in junior high and you're playing role-playing games <laughs> like no spidey would not be uh, uh, wolverine and wolverine would do that and then everyone <laughs> wanted to play wolverine and or spider-man no one wanted to play any of the other characters i don't want to be hawkeye he sucks i want to be wolverine uh so you know it's one of those things Whereas now you'd get someone like you, Lou, who I think, you know, you, you're, you're very fond of the character Hawkeye. You'd be like, mm-hmm. I'll be Hawkeye in a heartbeat. Yeah, in a heartbeat, yeah. You know? And I'd be like, I'll be the thing because I love the Fantastic Four. I'll do that in a heartbeat. And, you know, the love for the character would inform your, quote, performance <laughs> character, you know. And I think it would just be, you know, in light of – I would take this and, – and they did update it. Marvel did. And they did a, a version of – a new version of Secret Wars. But it would just be really cool to do this in light of, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. and the Fox X-Men Universe and things like that and just see what could we come up with and do our own take on the Marvel Universe. And maybe we'll go into an alternate reality. It just It's just gonzo balls to the wall fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't – I mean, it, it – it... It gets you right to what you want to do is, you know, let's let's battle it out, man. Let's throw all these people in an arena and get going. Yeah, but then as you get going, you could be like, you could do a storyline where the Human Torch was killed and killed. He's not coming back. It's not this, this standard superhero thing where they come back. And so we do a new story where, you know, or someone, you know, Captain America gets killed. So we have uh, uh, one of the things in the, in the storyline was there is a section of like Denver, Colorado, that the Beyonder took. This is what he took from Earth. So you could have someone from that takes up the mantle of Captain America, and you could create your own take on Captain America, mm-hmm. your own take. You know, we could come up with new mutants, and as the X-Men, you know, things happen, you know, Cyclops gets killed, Rogue gets killed, Nightcrawler gets killed. The only one that's left is Wolverine, and he had to he has to kind of create his own new version of the X-Men. And you're on this alien world, and, you know, I just think it could be really, really cool. But it's, it's, it's a nostalgia thing. A lot of these are from a nostalgia factor. Um, it's not even necessarily what I've ran. I've had I've had more fun running stuff where I've taken the module and plugged it into my own stuff or stuff I've written. I love doing modules, but, you know, as far as my, my all-time favorite games, it's a mix of stuff. But yeah. there you go. Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, special campaign adventure. Oh, and by the way, this was adapted, because we want to give credit to everyone, by Jeff Grubb, who is one of the big guys behind the Marvel Phaser Rip system. But it's just, you know, it would just be gone so fun, and, you know, you'd have to have people really willing to invest in it. Yeah, I almost. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because it sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Within my top eight uh, from the the Marvel superhero system was Lone Wolves, which is a, a neat model. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, it's it's well written. Which, it, to be honest, a lot of the Marvel ones I didn't feel were, but that one was well written. Oh no. And it's <laughs> it's you know you take these little known characters at the time. I mean like it's got Black Widow in it, which everybody knows now. But at the time she was just kind of an upstart character. And all these They're other. Kind of Lone Wills is kind of a street level. Superhero. Yes, exactly. And uh, it's got some neat plot to it. It's got some uh, interesting bad guys. They end up connecting together in a way that really makes sense. But anyhow, 
that's not my number one. My number one, very predictable. Everybody that knows me knew it was coming. Uh, Ravenloft. Yeah. And, uh, okay. You know, I specifically did not do keep on the Borderlands because we've beat the Borderlands <laughs> to death. But please continue. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to not make it my number one because it is. <laughs> but like you said, I mean, I, you know, I've talked it up to everyone that'll hear me, and uh, I, I did pick the original Ravenloft. I do feel I've, I've got several different versions of it, and I do still go back to the original one. Because it, it was before it was a thing, you know what I mean? Uh, like in, in the later editions, um, you know, they, they, they build up the legend to be this, you know, big elaborate thing. And there's all these other characters involved and everything's, you know, got multiple levels of, of development on it. You know, every character the, from the... I've got a Ravenloft box set that talks about different realms of Ravenloft downstairs, yeah. you know? So back here, I mean, this was just, you know, at the time... When it came out, and I, and I did, uh, I was a player in this. Um, my buddy Dan Rampala ran this for me in junior high, and it was maybe two years after it came out. Uh, and well, it, it must have been a little later than that. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. The the thing of it was is he was a diehard Dungeons and Dragons fan. Didn't like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but he bought this because he read the back of it and was so enthralled with it. And uh, it was at that time. I mean, it was its own thing. And you didn't know who Strahd was, and you didn't know what Ravenloft was, what these mists were about. And uh, that anonymity, uh, I think, added to the module at that point. Um, so, you know, it's everybody knows it. It's, it's Castle Dracula. It's, you know, one of the first modules where there's a, let's wait, almost like a through line in the module. It's not just sandbox. You've got a development of a main character. Um, Strahd, that is. You, you've got, you know, what he's doing, why he's doing it, kind of as part of what the characters have to figure out. And just the, the ambience of the castle and that map and all the details on it and all the places you can find terror inside that place. I just love it. I, I, I've played it many, many times in my life. and uh, You've ran it for me, too. So, yeah. yeah. I It almost made it on my list, too. And you're right, because Strahd has become such a thing. Strahd is almost a, a D&D trope at this point. Um, yeah, he's almost you know, that just, level of, uh, uh, oh man, the, the Dark Elf. Drizzt? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Drizzt was cool well, until Drizzt wasn't cool anymore, because we were Drizzted out, you know? And that's kind of yeah, what Strahd's like, yeah. Well, I'm not a fan of, I love the early R.A. Salvatore stuff, but Drizzt becomes very much a Mary Sue. Yeah. Nothing can happen to him. Uh, it gets a little boring, and well, and you, and Strahd is so so much a part of that. He gets on the cover of just about everything Ravenloft, and in fact, the five E conversion of Ravenloft is called Curse of Strahd. They don't even, it's not even Ravenloft. It's Curse of Strahd now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and 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 uh, who who is the module by? Tracy Hickman. Right. Who did? Uh, wrote with Margaret Weiss the Dragonlance novels, and Tracy Hickman wrote the DL1 Dragonlance one I just talked about, which had the same kind of maps that uh, Ravenloft has in that. It's probably the same cartographer that did it. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, by uh, uh, Jeff D. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm 99.9% pr I'm sure that he's the same guy who did. Uh, Diesel is what he goes by. No, no, and no. By time. Uh, so D Diesel is David LaForce, uh, but he, oh. he did. 
he did uh, Ravenloft <laughs> 2 because I actually talked with him at North Texas Con. Um, oh. And uh, so he did this, the second in the series, The House on Griffin Hill. But uh, this okay. art style was uh, uh, developed by, uh, I want to say Jeff D, but I better double check that. Let me look at my cover here. Uh, well, there's. I'm looking at my Dragonlance module now, and there's re- there's maps in it, but then there's also this really cool 3D breakdown of Zach Saroth, where you have the castle on top, and then this shows the caverns underneath, and it's very, very Ravenlofty as far as a you know. Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe this Diesel guy did the maps for Dragonlance, but I'm trying to find the credits for the the cavern and stuff because uh, it says interior arts Jeff East. The did the map of Barovia. So I assume, yeah, okay, here it is. Yeah, David Sutherland. I'm sorry, it's not Jeff D., it's David Sutherland. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, so Diesel's <laughs> telling me at the convention how they, everybody in the art department hated David Sutherland because he did this map, and once he did this map, there was no going back. Every person that wrote a game for TSR wanted the isometric map, which took, like, Ten times as long to draw. Uh, yeah, and this was this was before they did this before using stuff like Photoshop and oh, yeah. stuff, and you know, and uh, you know, all the other computer programs that you can use to do this now. Yeah, now it's uh, probably pretty easy, right? To draw a map and get it out there using some kind of Adobe or something. I don't yeah. know. There's probably specific game creating uh, software. I think at Gen Con they sell it. Well, right? there's Campaign Cartographer, which is like the, yeah. one of the originals. Let's say for my games, and then our I friends use... at Equal Designs do it, too. Yeah. For my games, I use Adobe. Um, I, I don't use Photoshop as much as I do Fireworks, just because it's I know more about Fireworks and it's faster for me. But uh, even cheaper. then... Well, I, I have them both, so it doesn't. It comes in one package, so. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. I, I bought it yep. before it was a licensing thing. It, this is back uh, CS2, I think it was, uh, where it was. You bought it once and you owned it, <laughs> which is how I like my things. <laughs> but anyhow, right. Um, so you know, I, I'm a hack. I'm, my maps are pretty decent, but you know, I'm a hack. I'm not an artist, and it still takes you know for a good map about a week of work, um, you know, multiple hours here and there. Uh, so I can't imagine doing this by hand on a you know easel with every every brush stroke mattering and having to go back to the drawing board if you mess up too much. Uh, oh yeah, wow. and the perspective you know it's it's not like you know oh it's two point perspective or three point or it's a bird's eye view three point perspective because I'm thinking about you know things like how to draw comics the Marvel way and you know mm-hmm. and I'm pr- I'm pretty good with perspective as far as when I draw but I don't do much more than three or four point this is like 10 point perspective <laughs> crazy stuff you know yeah. really good and done by hand so yeah this this module broke a lot of different barriers uh, you know it took took game modules in a different direction than what they had been going in my opinion and it's just fun. Love it. Ravenloft, number one for me. And that leaves us with the important question of what was Briggy's number one? <laughs> as a newbie, what did she pick as her favorite module that she's encountered so far? Okay. It is a Dungeons & Dragons module. It's called the Forge of Fury. Ah. It's uh, Apparently we need to say it's by Richard Baker. Right? Okay. 
Well, you guys like always talk about all the people. No, that's uh, to me that's know, important. That... I want to give credit where credit's due, and then also you can kind of do your research and see what else the person's you know done as as a listener. You know, you can be like, oh, I wonder what else. Oh yeah. yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, it is now. This game was uh, Thomas ran it, and uh, it was interesting because we all his idea was we would all play dwarves. I don't believe that's a requirement of the actual module. Mm, no, no, it is not. Um, and uh, he was kind of like, "Hey, are you okay with that?" And we were like, "Yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? You know, let's do that." Of course, I was. Uh, I played the magic user dwarf. <laughs> but uh out of some kind of crazy chance uh in the middle of we're we're basically wanting to take back our keep right or what do we want to call it i our, took uh, i took the basic plot i, I i'm going to interrupt you for just a second forge, i took the I basic guess. yeah i yeah. took the plot of forge of fury and took the initial part of it, and I added to it, which was more or less because it had just come out at the time, and we've read it. But um, it's the idea of uh, Thor and Oakenshield and his dwarves wanting mm-hmm. to retake their homeland. Right, right. That I plugged of... that into it. That's what I did. Right. Um, of course, we didn't – I don't even – honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even think of that when we were doing it because we had our own kind of following because – Okay, I can't I can't remember, so I'm just gonna try to remember here. Did Frank like play a bard? He was played a cl- or a cleric. Okay, but like he got us to like his thing was where he uh, <laughs> part of his belief was kind of always having uh, alcohol around, like a ale or something, and there were, and he made up a motto. So we were As all as a Catholic, like, that's really, a religion I can get behind. Exactly right. Okay, so like he, you know, before we did something, we, you know, he at least took a drink to bless us, and then we all had drinks. Like it was a fun, like we're and we were kicking oh, he, some bad ass guys. Wounds, yeah. yeah. If if he cast curious cure serious wounds on you, that was like however many d. If it was like three d eight healing, you had to take three shots. <laughs> yeah, it was stuff like that, and it and. Uh, it was just a lot of uh, fun. The getting to the keep was fun. Um, uh, I should, I guess, throw out some names that are actually in this module. Um, so I'm honestly, because of the way Thomas runs the modules, I don't know if we did start in the town of uh, Blazingdale or not, because uh, it's been a while. But, I mean, we ran this for quite a few weeks and uh, finished it Um and I had a a blast. I ended up getting this wonderful magic wand that had endless amounts of um, a fire throwing spell. So I just loved that. Like fireball. I think it had fireball. And it had, I don't know how many. Like, it was, uh, um, I think 99. It did not have an, it did not have an endless amount, but you guys no, never ran out. We didn't. Because we I was keeping track of. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> And the cavern was neat. Um, the uh, the tro- the troglodytes were neat, even though they were scary and attacked us. But that was a, like a character I'd never, or a creature that I'd never heard of before. Um, so I'm just kind of looking through the module because it has been a while. But I mean, it was just 
tons of fun doing it. And I think like it, uh, there was like a slide in there. <laughs> like the Goonies slide? Like, like yeah, water like park slide? Yeah, like a slide to Woo-hoo! me. It was really like... <laughs> There was a part of the, there was, it was a, just a steep area and it was uh, slippery, I believe. And so we, we just slid down it. We were little dwarves trying to get through this. So, um, and we were fighting through that as well. So that was um, a lot of fun. I mean, I just, everybody well, was, was... got along and kind of played off each other and we riffed off each other. Um, well, it, it was fun. one of those things where the characters brought a lot to the game. The players as their characters brought a lot to the table. Yep, absolutely. And um, But I'm looking through it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that part. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a module that I wouldn't forget, but I, what I remember the most of isn't necessarily, well, it was, there was the big boss, and that was like the fun time, or it was this or that. I remember the camaraderie of the group working together, mm-hmm. playing the goal. And that was my favorite part, <laughs> especially when it was like, I believe it was like this golden ale. It was like magic. You know, it really technically wasn't. He was just using the cleric spell, but he gave it such a description that it just sounded like this wonderful healing mead or something. You know, like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it, it made it fun, you know, just... Um, and, uh, one of our friends, um, Beave played and, um, he stumbled around quite a bit, but he, he usually does as any character that he takes. It doesn't matter what, uh, which one he takes, although he does better as like a big fighter that rages, he kicks butt in that, but, um, so he played in this as well, but it was, it, it was, uh, a few months of that and it was a lot of fun and we played to the end and I was very happy cause it had been a while since we like kind of played like a campaign to the to the end and it, and um yeah I, I loved it do you want Absolutely. to hear the, the 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 basic plot was the the four dwarves <clears throat> which comprised the party were hired by this local kind of warlord gangster type to go up there ahead of them and and start clearing it out and then they were going to come in and take it over and find the forge and make the magic weapons and all this other stuff. Then the four of y'all got up there and you attacked him and you said, and y'all had a meeting and was like, you know what? F that guy. Let's take this for ourselves. <laughs> and <Pretty much. laughs> so you guys did. And then he shows up and you guys have already cleared it out, found the magic weapons and y'all kicked his butt and freed the town of Blazingdale from this guy and everything else. So I added this warlord guy to it, which, yeah. you know, added a big bad on top of the big bad. And nice it, it all gave you... some tills kind of thing. I like that. Yeah, and it was a sort of thing where, you know, you guys also became freedom fighters for the town of Blazingdale and stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. I felt... Re- of- that was one of my better moments of a game I've ever ran. Um, well, I know we talked briefly about this on the last podcast when we were looking at the uh, the dungeon list of uh, top adventures that this actually made it into that uh, original list and I think it was one of maybe only two uh, third edition modules that made that list so I mean it must be pretty good yeah, to, to get in there with all it the is, classics well, well you know how they always revisit these things it is in the 5e book Tales of the Yawning Portal they adapted this to 5e and plugged oh, that in there. That. Yeah, it's in there, so it's it's really good. Yeah. 
All right. And it's not it's not a big module either. Really? Because it sounds but like, like... I, I would have assumed it was you know one of these uh, perfect bound you know ninety pagers here. Nope. Nope. It's like an old school module. It's like thirty some pages or something like that. Huh. Yeah, a lot of fun. I would run this again for the right group of. Um, I think we didn't even use D&D 3rd. We used Pathfinder with a little adaptation because Pathfinder and 3rd edition D&D are so easily yeah. backwards compatible. You know, you don't really have to do a conversion. If you want to make it a little beefier and balanced, you, you give the give your NPCs and monsters a few extra hit points, and that pretty much does it. Yep. Portuguese and Spanish. Yep. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> So uh, that'll wrap up our This Old Dungeon portion of the show, and that leads us into Geek Credit. Hey, hey you! Do you have any Geek Credit? Okay. And you're up this week, right? <laughs> yes, I am. And I have questions for you. Um, they should be, they were fun to look up cause I didn't, I don't, didn't know any of these off the top of my head. I'm going to be honest. All now, right. For, so. for viewers that didn't catch it, I, I was pretty merciless with you on the last time that I, I ran questions for you. So, uh, so it seems like she's being hard on me folks or whatever. I don't know what kind of questions are coming. Uh, I probably deserve it. <laughs> I literally didn't ask which cartographer made the map for this module. <laughs> well, I know that uh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I didn't do any of those. All right, so I have uh, number one is from the Dungeon Master's Guide by Gary Gygax and a part of the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons reference series, which of the following allows players to determine if a melee was successful? A, combat tables. B, melee chart. C, fight throws. D, battle charts. Hmm, what was it actually titled? Uh, I gotta go with A on that one. And you're correct. Woohoo! Alright, so tables. far so good. Okay, number two, according to Monster Manual, by Gary Yagax, of course, the brownie is what alignment? A, chaotic evil, B, lawful good, C, neutral chaotic, or D, neutral good. Ooh, that wasn't what I was expecting. R run through one more time. What are my choices? <laughs> okay. I was thinking chaotic good, but I'm wrong apparently. So what? What? Are... <laughs> chaotic evil, lawful good, neutral chaotic, and neutral good. I'm gonna go neutral good. You are wrong. Ah. <sighs> awful good. I'm gonna awful go good. Really? The brownies? brownies are lawful good. Yeah. yeah I thought they play tricks and stuff still, even though they were helpful beings. Well, that depends on what edition of D&D this is, too. All right. You know, we didn't, like, say specifically, but um, I could go... It could vary from no, different... No, no, I'm not contending that I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just surprised. Yeah, I was surprised, yeah. too, um, that it was lawful good, so it must... There must be really, really kind of nasty fay in there because i mean brownie lawful good i i wouldn't think yeah i, I didn't even. figure anyone in the fay kingdom was lawful <laughs> the only thing that i could <laughs> exactly but the only thing i could think of was like the story about 
um, the shoemaker or whatever, mm-hmm. and that the brownies would come and help him make the shoes when he after he fell asleep or what you know like there yeah, was just some shoemaker story and I could see that being part of lawful good. All right, you want to go to the next one or yeah we better. Okay. <laughs> All right, another monster manual question. There are three kinds of naga, which is a good one: guardian spirit or water. I believe the water naga is the good one. Am I wrong again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> guardian. <laughs> it's guardian. Guardian. The okay. answer was kind of in the yeah. I was like, I'm gonna guess guardian, but yeah. 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 See, I, hmm. I'm playing along over here. Don't worry. I, I knew the spirit naga was was like a a big evil because I think uh, against the cult of the reptile god, I think that naga is a a. a, a Spirit Naga. But man, I will. Yep. I don't think I've ever uh, encountered a Naga ever in my gaming adventures. So uh, these were all kind of newbie type. You know, it was, yeah, oh, that's the, interesting, you know. The snake body with the woman's yeah. head. Spell casting abilities, charm kind of stuff. Yeah. Creepy yeah. looking Tim Burton looking stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So this one is a true or false uh, one, you can cast two spells in the same round. Uh, what edition? We're on first edition here, original. <laughs> oh, boy. No, that matters, man. That matters a lot. Yeah, it does. If does it really? Edition, if it's first edition, on the... I keep going. I would say it, it is possible. I, I can't think of the spells, but it is possible if the segment casting time is less than ten when added together. Wow, that is a lot of thought process, but it is true. Um, If you want, I can tell you either you can guess why the reason is true, or I can just come out and tell you. Okay, so so my my original reason is because each spell has its own number of segments it takes to cast, so as long as they can be cast within ten segments, you can do it. The other thing is you could cast like a haste spell and then use that spell. That's what I was thinking. Wow, yeah. you guys are really overthinking it. One wow. must be a cantrip. Oh, okay. Because that's a spell. You see, now, Lou's the type of person that'll do things like count segments and things like that. <laughs> I don't do that. I, I don't do you much know. anymore. Anymore, it's just kind of, you know, rough estimates. Let's keep, keep, the, go, uh, keep the thing going, you know. Right. Well, yeah, I just look at the big overall thing. Does it take more than one round? Okay, we'll deal with that. Otherwise, you cast it. Yeah. Now, this one is kind of a silly one, but it was I'm like I was kind of at the last minute getting all these. So, uh, this one is according to thegamer.com. Um, it it listed like uh, powerful spells, okay. like the most powerful ones. Um, it listed ten, but I'm just gonna go with the top five. Okay. Um, put these in order. Number one being the most powerful. So you might you okay. might have to write hmm. it down. I don't know. Okay, so the first one I have is Power Word Kill. So I will read them out, and then yeah. you can tell me the list. Um, ninth level enchantment. If that means anything to you, because it doesn't. I mean, obviously to me it means so like it's a ninth level. Just something. just to be certain, what they're mm-hmm. what they're saying is. In their minds, which of these spells 
is the most powerful, not which one, like, you have to be the highest level to cast or whatever. It's just, right. like, which one does the most effect. Right. Okay. Yeah. So power word And there kill. are kind of higher ones oh, because yeah. I, I don't know a, a lot of these because I really, we've gotten to level, what, maybe four or five in a game? I think the highest level you've ever played in a game is seven. Okay. So and that I, was the Forge of Fury game. Huh. It, yeah. Well, we didn't we start off a little high, higher. We didn't no, start off. Start, more, oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think you started off at level three. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. All right. So this so uh, power word kill power word kill if I can speak properly <laughs> is the first one. Storm of a Vengeance. That's a ninth level conjuration. Uh, power word heal. That's a ninth level evocation prismatic spray which sounds wrong which is a seventh level evocation (laughs) it just i was like what the heck is well i don't maybe i don't want to know what prismatic spray is okay prismatic spray is especially a lethal and useful when you're at uh, studio 54 (laughs) exactly it's like kind of a glitter bomb okay Okay, uh, the last one is uh, Meteor Swarm, ninth level evocation. So okay. try to put them, which one is the highest and five is the lowest. They're all pretty, they all sound pretty powerful to me. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think. So the one was power word heal, right? Kill, kill. But, but when they're also word, heal, you had both. There was a power word heal and a power word kill, yes. Huh. One's a one is an enchantment. I don't know. Okay. Well, so it, boy, I, hmm, I'm uncertain of how to how to judge these because uh, you know what what's most powerful. I mean, obviously there's a bit of an opinion going in. in yeah. There. Right. Right. Um, so I'm gonna say. Well, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Well, with a lot of D and D spells too, uh, they're reversible. And that's yeah. how they work. That's what I was So you could have a like power heal. word kill, and then you could just reverse it and have it be a power word heal. But it's not power word bring back to life. It's uh-huh. power word heal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. That's that's my weird logic I'm putting into this. It's not a bad one. Okay. Okay, Dokley. Uh, <laughs> this is a the, weird one, I know, but yeah, I thought no, it's, it's, interesting it's, good. it's interesting to discuss a little bit. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, this is also getting us more in the weeds too. That's funny because Louie and I can get into the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those stupid college true and false tests, man. Those are the worst. Man, just, <sighs> make me write an essay, please, because I don't know. I could go either way if I read if I overthink this, you know. Uh, so what if you just took like your gut and just yeah, put well, numbers by them and see what happens? Yeah. So I'm gonna for for my number five, which as as you said, this is gonna be the weakest of them. Right. For my number five, I don't know the spell, so I'm gonna and don't tell me if I'm right or wrong till I've gotten all the way through here. Okay. So I, I think I'm gonna put Storm of Vengeance because I really okay. don't know what that spell does. I've never I I I love playing wizards, but I don't think I've ever had a wizard uh, make it over like tenth level, which wouldn't put it up at you know the, some of these spells here. Um, for it still number sounds f- badass, though. I'm gonna say it I'm does, out. but a lot of times, like Storm of, it sounds like a Judas Priest album as well. Yeah, yeah. Storm of Vengeance. A, a, a lot of times, the ones that are like storms, uh, 
they, they like blow things around. They keep people from moving. So I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe that's, you know, that's the, uh, what do you call it? The red herring there that maybe it's, you know, sounds real tough and badass, but it's not maybe as powerful as it sounds. Okay. For number four, I'm going to go with power word heal. Um, I assume that probably is pretty powerful that it maybe takes away a lot of issues like, uh, like poisons and, you know, things like that, you know, lost limbs. But uh, I, I, these other spells are all damaging spells, so I, I'm, I'm looking more in that mindset. And even though this mm-hmm. one might be reversible, I don't know. So I'm going to go four mm-hmm. with heal. Okay. I'm going to go with three as being prismatic spray. And the reason I put it at three is because I, I kind of remember that one. And if I remember right, it's like even though it doesn't do much, it just like kind of zones people out. If I remember right, it's like area of effect could like take out a whole army. Like a massive group of people could be like mesmerized by this spray, if I remember correctly. And okay. then I'm going to go power word kill. Um, because uh, I think that's going to be number two. Because if I remember right, there's some hinky stuff when it comes to saving throws with that one. And uh, a lot of the big baddies that you would like to take out with it actually are fairly immune to it. And then my, my number one, because I sort of remember this one, is Meteor Storm, or Swarm, I mean. Because uh, if I remember right, that's like being hit by 100 fireballs. That's like the the, the, the the universe is falling in on you, if I remember correctly. It's one of the most damaging spells you can cast, is what I am remembering. So again, Storm of Vengeance... Power Ward Heal, Prismatic Spray, Power Ward Kill, then Meteor Swarm. How close did I come? You came so close. Like you had all but you had a couple switched. Okay. And I think that's because it's a like the middle ones I think are the hard ones, uh-huh. right? I mean these two I I think you could really you know, it's kind of like a horse apiece with these, honestly. So uh, originally, number two was the spray, and number three was the power word kill. But I mean, I, you know, you got the rest of them right. Oh yeah. So I think yeah, I think just most out of the top of your head, man, that's really good. Okay, you know what? I say he wins because lightning yeah. algebra. He showed his work. <laughs> oh, he absolutely. I mean, and you got and, you got the, you got meteor swarm. I think that's what counts. That's yeah, number really, one. Money. Yeah. Yeah, that was the big number one, and the picture looked like, like huge, like I'm gonna say softball size looking fireballs uh-huh. just coming down all over the place. It's not just one in one area, which would do quite a bit of damage, but it was like a several <laughs> in a big area. So you have to be Take quite the time. badass to do that one. So. I think you really want it this time because right, I'll, I'll take it. We're so... not that e- easy because, you know, if I don't know, I was just looking at it kind of last minute and kind of pulled this stuff together and you know, and I think that the uh, also the brownie one is a, can be debated as well, don't you? I mean, I, I, well, I mean it's it is or it isn't. So I guess you know I'm gonna rush off after we're done recording and look at my monster manual, but. But I, I don't really know. I didn't memorize it. I just, to me, a brownie sounds like more of a chaotic creature. Even though they're good, it seems to me they'd do some crazy stuff without, right. you know, any And I did not, 
look it up in the manual. I just looked it up from a site, mm-hmm. so it, I could possibly be wrong with that one. I mean... Well, here's the thing. I could see Gygax, who probably created the, this version of the brownie, was thinking of that old uh, cobbler's story where the brownies were coming in and helping the cobbler make yeah, all the shoes. Night. Yeah, because he, you know, he either he used care he used creatures and stuff right out of fairy tales, mm-hmm. or out of stuff like by Jack Vance and Robert E. Howard. You know, that's what he based a lot of the monsters on. And then he would just come up with stuff because he wanted to mess with people like <laughs> uh, Bugbear. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, as always, I forgot to do any of our contact information during the actual mail segment. So let's Oopsie. throw that out there real quick. If you want us to cover a module or rule set that you are interested in, uh, or if you've got something to let us know or some corrections we need to make or whatever, contact us at thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Uh, other than that, this has been our episode on our top five adventures throughout all of RPGdom. Um, it is 2020, recorded on, I don't even know, what is this, August 7th? Yes. Something yes. like that. And uh, I have been Lou Alu. I've been Thomas, like usual. I'm Briggy the Noob. And thanks for your support. Thank you. This Old Dungeon is copyright 2020. The views expressed on this show are the views of individual hosts and do not reflect the opinions or beliefs of anyone else on the show, the show itself, or even rational thought. We reserve the right to sound like complete asshats to the need arise. Submit all questions and complaints to thisolddungeon at gmail.com. Mileage may vary.